Welcome to Wa Wonders Why, a companion podcast to smart enough to know better. This episode is titled Snapshots, Snapshots for 18, 18 Months, months later. later. We're returning to all the amazing people from around the world and listening in on their COVID experience to see how they're dealing with the new normal. We're talking to old friends, we've got some new friends as well. So let's get straight to it. I call Western Australia home at this time. And last time I just spoke for Western Australia. I went, I am the epitome of Western Australia in the last checkup. But that is an arrogance that even I can't continue on. So I thought I would talk to an actual Western Australian and get back Alana. Hello, Alana. Hello, Greg. Thank you Look- for returning. We were most happy for you to speak on our behalf. We, we, you know, we duly authorised you, so you know, no, no need to apologise. <laughs> Fantastic. But things are changing now. Things in Australia are changing COVID-wise. Mm. You just give a, a, a synopsis of your experience as it's been and your, your hopes and fears for the future for Western Australia. Right. So as we said sort of the last time we caught up a year ago, Everything was fine in Perth or, you know, or in, in the independent sovereign nation of Australia, as we started to call ourselves when we closed our border <laughs> to the rest of the country and, and finally managed to secede. Yes. And we kind of just carried on like we were COVID zero. We, mm. you know, basically lived as if there had nothing had happened. We were essentially yeah. living almost pre-COVID, which was really both. Yeah. It was amazing and also really weird in some ways because we would look east and see the, you know, the plague hellfire that was raining down on, you know, New South Wales and Victoria. Yes. And, mm. and, and to be fair to us, you know, because people sort of talk about, oh, you know, people in the eastern states it would be like, you West Australians don't know what's going on. You're mm. living in your little COVID free bubble. Mm. And we'd be like, look, we've had four lockdowns. Yes. Right. Come yeah, on. We, yeah, <laughs> we did. Yeah. yeah. Our lockdowns didn't seem to matter to anyone, but we, yeah, we, we did yeah. have four lockdowns. So. And, uh, you know, and when the New South Wales Delta um, outbreak went ballistic, you mm. know, and, and they were going, no one's managed to suppress Delta. We were like, mm. um, we did. Yes. We, you as, know. We, as, as we all sat around in our coffee shops with 20 other people going, we will not suppress this, by the way. Anyway, can you pass me the sugar? That's very close. Like, it was very weird. They're it was so about, strange. No one, New South Wales saying, no one has freedoms like us now. And we're like, what? Like we just had, <laughs> we just had a grand football grand final at the nearby stadium. Sixty thousand people sat t- cheek to jowl and mm. with no COVID. And it's that's because Western Australia doesn't exist to the east coast. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah, it. we are a fantasy land that does not exist. That's true. So. We're all we're all paid actors. That's right. Actors. That's, that's, I get paid a lot of money to pretend to live in Western Australia. Yeah, look, uh, it's a tough job, but someone's got to do it. <laughs> it is. So we, yeah, we've been basically COVID free. We, my life is no different. We have the little mandatory apps, mandatory in inverted commas apps, because mm. no one uses them. To be brutally honest, no one, or not, I wouldn't say no one, but very few people use them. I'm, I'm one of the few. You're very good. You are very, yes. very good. Yes. But you, you watch people going into a shopping center, uh, less than, I would say less than 10% are using them uh, yeah. easily. Unless you're enforced as a someone going, oi, use the bloody app. <laughs> Yeah, and in some shopping centres, they, they don't have them in obvious and, and sort of, hello, you need to check in kind of places mm. either, which makes it hard. Mm, yeah, because they don't, they, they're doing the letter of the law. They're not, mm. yeah, they're just like, oh, we've done our thing. So we can't get spanked on the yeah. hand by, by um, uh, Daddy McGowan, the, the premier. <laughs> uh, what's, what's your take? Do you call him Daddy McGowan or is he? Or oh, is I he, call. <laughs> or, uh, Unky Mark. I call him Supreme Leader for Life. 
<laughs> oh, the people leading for life. Oh, that's, oh, I like that one too. Yes, on, on Twitter, I, I, I shortened it to SLFLMM. So Supreme Leader for Life, Mike McGowan, because <laughs> of the 2020 character limit. So. Yes, yeah, fair, fair enough. You got to write something else as well. I, I um, I heard someone call him Daddy McGowan, and it made quite a few women in the office I worked at shudder in horror. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh no, don't call him Daddy McGowan. That's like. I've, I've got a, I've got a private chat with a friend in Victoria and a friend in, in New South Wales. And so we have Supreme Leader for Life. We have mm-hmm. State Daddy, which is Dan Andrews. Oh yes, yes. And then Daddy, when Dan we talk. <laughs> When we talk about Queensland, we refer to Anastasia Palaszczuk as State Mummy. State Mummy, yeah, that's pretty good, yes. Yeah. And, and we don't mention the New South Wales <laughs> no. uh, premiere anymore, the last one, because no. she was naughty. And, yeah, uh, she, can, naughty. she cannot be named. And, she cannot uh, we be named. We, we, we won't go, we have, we won't <laughs> go there. No. But, um, but that was, that's a thing. I know this is an international podcast and no one knows who these premiers are, but good Lord, that's a thing. Oh, yes. Corruption. corruption. Oh, alleged. Alleged corruption. Alleged. Alleged, alleged, alleged yes. corruption. Alleged, alleged. But wow. Anyway, mm. moving on. Moving on. That's a topic for a different podcast. It is. <laughs> and, and for smarter people than me and people with a lot better <laughs> lawyers as well. <laughs> so now we're moving into a weird phase, Australia, mm. I mean, where... New South Wales has opened up and the, and I honestly feel it's just like the, the virus rip. To be honest, there's just mm. hundreds of cases a day and deaths per day. Victoria had, was kind of forced to because New South Wales kept licking them constantly <laughs> and yes. they got all, they got more disease and they got locked down. So they've come out of lockdown, but it's 2000 cases a day or a thousand cases a day. It's quite crazy. Mm. Queensland's about to open up in, in mid November. So in a couple, about two or three weeks and WA, Daddy McGowan, Supreme Leader for Life is saying, look, when we get to a certain vaccination level, I'll consider opening the borders. Not I'll open the borders, but weeks after. So I'm looking, I'm thinking personally, January, maybe late <laughs> January, maybe February, really, yeah. honestly. But then what the heck, Alana? How do you feel? Yes. About this? <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, look, I, I, yeah, my, and look, because I'm, I'm also a political nerd. So I'm sort of secretly hoping that Supreme Leader keeps the border closed until after the next federal election so that Scott Morrison and, and uh, Albo, um, uh, Anthony Albanese can't come over to WA and campaign here. In <laughs> so, yeah, I'm with you. I think January, February, possibly even March, depending on how the vaccination rollout mm. goes, yeah. because something that I think the Eastern States people don't really appreciate is the fact that we are literally a third of the continent of mm-hmm. Australia mm-hmm. and we have a lot of very remote and very vulnerable communities that we need to transport the vaccine to and get jabs in arms. Yeah. And that's really, as a logistical exercise, that's super hard. So I think it's quite reasonable for us. It'll be next year before we can you know, seriously look at opening up simply because we just may not hit our vaccination rate in time because the way the township of Orkenya was treated by New South Wales is mm. a, an exercise in that's not how you treat your vulnerable communities. So you have these regional vulnerable communities. And, and we're speaking mainly of it, the Indigenous regional communities here. That's the people who have very little and have been treated very badly over generations. Mm. And now they're just, now it's kind of like, oh, well, we want to have lattes at Bondi. And so now we're <laughs> going to let the virus run through your region and kill you. But, you yeah. know, don't worry, I can still swim next to the Sydney Opera House. So that's fine. Yeah. And because what makes me nervous about this whole, yeah, we're 70% vaxxed, says, yeah. says New South Wales as they mm. open up and let it rip. But it's like, yes, but that means 30% of your population is unvaxxed. Mm. And that's 70% of people over the age of 16. 
which in reality is about 56% of your population. Yes. But sure, I, let that, it rip. That's yeah, healthy. That's right. And that's the big thing of, of your actual, is it 70% of your actual population of the people who can have the, have the vaccine? So, yeah. Mm. And let's face it, the people who can get the vaccine are normally people who are better educated, are keeping up on this sort of stuff, have the re- access to the resources, can take time off work. So yep. the people who look more like you and me and have the resources to do this. Uh, so, yeah, once again, we protect it's going to be, look, it's, it's going to be hard. It's, it's mm. going to be very, very hard. And what politically I think is very difficult, we, there are no cases, we keep saying that, and there are no deaths here. We've had, a, had nine, I think, uh, in Western mm. Australia so for the last two years, uh, basically. And the moment you open the borders and the disease gets in, which it's going to, mm. the first person who dies, the family can point at, at Supreme Leader for Life and go, that was your decision. And you've killed my family. Yeah. It's that easy. Uh, yeah. Where in New South Wales or Victoria, where it, it got out by chance, mm. you can't blame, you can blame the government, but is there's, there's more plausible deniability for the government because they say, well, we didn't do this. But if you yeah. open the borders and let it in, then you, uh, you, you, you could be considered complicit. I mean, legally, I don't mean legally complicit. No. I just mean morally or, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's a huge, and I think that's, that's one of the dilemmas that McGowan, I think he would be struggling with as a leader and something mm. that I do not envy him for mm. because, and again, because, you know, because WA has copped a huge amount of stick from the Eastern States over refusing to open up orders to people and mm. refusing to open up. And I had a, and being Twitter, it was a miracle. I had a discussion with someone on Twitter, did not turn into a shit fight um, <laughs> about this, where he just went, so you're just going to keep families separated forever? And I said, well, what's the alternative? We open mm. the border and you bring the virus in and members of those families die? Mm. Yeah. How would you? I would personally rather be separated from my family forever and have them live and be responsible for their deaths. And he didn't actually have a comeback to that. Yeah, it's a, it's a hard thing to point out. Also, the other thing is we have all the money. So yeah. Western Australia has all the money. We have all the mining money and the yeah. rest of the country is in deficit and we're in surplus. So By if you $5 want billion. $5 billion. Five billion. <laughs> yeah. If, so if you want our sweet, sweet cash, you will kiss our bottoms, basically. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and I, I mean, uh, that's tongue in cheek, but yeah. I watched a prime minister back down to a premier because yes. the premier was like, you basically you can piss off prime minister i don't care what you want i have all the money and the prime minister went oh and it really weirdly went okay i'm just gonna go hide over here and not mention you for a while and please yes. stop hey please everyone else stop mentioning the 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 premier of western australia uh because yes. because he makes us look silly because he's got all the money uh, and he has none of the covid it's not That's fair <laughs> we want to change that we want all the money we want him to have all the covid that's uh, right. Yes. Yeah. Cause so, uh, and I think, um, something that, uh, again, people in the East probably failed to understand is that for us opening up is it letting in a level of disease and death that we have not experienced. Whereas for, for them, where the disease had slipped out and run rampant through their community, mm. they had, you know, they had no choice but to get used to that. And I had friends over East going, it's just going to come. You guys just have to accept it and get used to it. And it's like, yeah. yes, but we don't have to do it now. Yeah, we could maybe try getting our vulnerable communities vaccinated before that happens. Yeah, just a thought, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 going to be hard. It's going to be very very difficult. Ah, so what yeah. are your what are your hopes then for for this then? What how do you how do you hope this all plays out? Oh gosh, I really hope that we open up at say ninety or ninety five percent vaccinated. Mm. 
Okay. You know, and ideally for, you know, people over 12 at a minimum. Mm-hmm. I know that Pfizer and the other vaccine manufacturers are working on vaccines for people under 12, like five to 11 year olds. And I, that's awesome. Go them, yeah. you know, give them all the money to do that. Because what has really startled me about this is that or practically overnight, Australia went from a COVID zero mentality or a suppression mentality, as, as mm. um, uh, the Prime Minister called it, to basically just accepting a level of disease and death in the community that previously was unthinkable. Yesterday or the day before, Victoria recorded 25 deaths from COVID mm. and no one batted an eyelid. Yeah. And you know, a year ago, that would have triggered, like, that would have been a tragedy and probably yeah. would have triggered, you know, national mourning and all that sort of thing because, you know, of, of the health response failure that resulted in those 25 deaths. And now it's just normalized. And yeah. to me, living in a, a, a state that is still COVID free, that is still really weird to me. When we look back at this in 20, 30 years, a million years' time, thousands of years' time, and think about this, it's going to be really odd to say we lived in one of the only places on earth that didn't have the disease. Mm. But yes, we did. We've had lockdowns, of course, and that's a bit of hyperbole, but really, no, we, we suppressed it and we managed to get it under control every time. Luckily, it's a lot of yeah. luck, hard Ooh. work, hard work and luck. And yeah. it's going to be really odd because the rest of the world is having to normalize it now. And, mm. and we're not there. We're not there emotionally or intellectually yet. Uh, no. And, and so I try not to judge I, I, East Coast plague states, all the rest. But because <laughs> I, I, they're going through a very different thing to us. And we're going to go through it in the future. And no one's going to have any respect for us or sympathy for us because they're like, you should have done this years ago. And like, well, no, yeah, it's going to be interesting time emotionally. Yeah. And I think if we manage to get through it in a way that minimizes the death and, you know, long COVID and the disease and, mm. and, minim- and we manage to minimize the infection, mm. then they're going to still going to hate us anyway, because we learned from their experiences and apply the, <laughs> you know, yes. we did it better. You know, we're, right. we're, we're, we're damned if we do, damned if we don't. I remember when the, um, the Delta outbreak, uh, was announced back in June this year. And I was literally actually on my way to go and get my first Pfizer vaccine. And okay. my friend who was with me in the car got the notification on her phone. And she was like, oh, no, we're going into lockdown. And we got to the shopping center where the vaccine hub was. And we both had masks in our bags from the previous lockdowns. Mm-hmm. So we just masked up. And this is half an hour before the restrictions went into effect. Mm-hmm. And we walked into the shopping center and there was a security guard handing out masks. And people like, well, mas- like, everyone was masked up. Wow. And it, it, yep. the news had broken like minutes earlier. Mm-hmm. And it was extraordinary. And, and, and I sort of looked at it and just went, go ask. Like, yes. again, we've got criticism for being, as, and as you said, you know, not everybody checks in at mm-hmm. shopping centers yeah. and things. We have gotten a little bit complacent. Yeah. But when, and out, you know, when, when, when the news goes out and it's like, we've got to do this, the community rallies and yeah. we smashed Delta in a week. Yeah. And we were in lockdown for a week. And then we had restrictions, I think, for about two weeks after that. Mm-hmm. And it was done and it was dealt with. The other thing that the East Coasters hate about us is how attractive we are. We're very attractive people as a state yeah. of people. We're we unbelievable, just beautiful people. It's, exactly. It's actually, it's actually, I mean, look, that's, 
I understand why they'd hate us for that, but uh, mm. they just look. I mean, you know, you were carefully screened when you moved over here to make sure that you fit into our attractability index, ah! and we were very <laughs> pleased to see that you did. And that, you know, yes. the assimilation has worked. It's very you're, true. You're yes. one of us now. That, I do. Yes, they checked the symmetry of my face, make sure I, my bone structure was fine, and yeah. then they added the chip on my shoulder that all Western Australians exactly, have, and it's yeah. getting bigger and bigger as the years go on. Yeah, yeah, that that, that chip just keeps growing. That's, you know, <laughs> that's how you know that you you've gone native. Alana, thank you very much for your insight. Uh, Stay well in these exciting times. We'll talk to you very, very soon. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Greg. They call us a very large state, the state of Texas. But did you know that Texas is only about a quarter the size of Western Australia, where I live? It's a tiny state, a childlike state. And with that very aggressive intro, I bring up Steve. Hey, Steve, how are you? Hey, Greg. I'm good, thank you. (laughs) Steve is not Texas born and bred, but you've lived there for quite a few years. And how how's it all going since the last time we chatted? On on the whole, what's the world like in in Texas at the moment? Things are coming back to normal for most people. Not myself. I'll be honest. I'm still scared silly to go out. Right. Um, I still wear my mask. It's one of those situations where you you they can't can't mandate a mask anymore. Right. The governor said that's that's not legal. Private businesses, I guess, can encourage, but that's pretty much all they can do right now. So when you go into any other store, wherever you go, it's this whole section of people not wearing masks, just being normal. And there's a whole bunch of people who just want to get in and out wearing masks, me being one of them. Yeah. Just not want to be around anybody. I mean, we're vaccinated and everything, but there's a fair few of the population that still are not vaccinated. But 60% is vaccinated right now. Right. And to me, that is a lot, a lot of people out there. And we've still got a lot of people getting COVID. So, I mean, just where I work at the university, my little department had three people out last week with it. So it's it's pretty prevalent. And everybody that's got it hasn't been vaccinated. <laughs> what do you know? There you go. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, just um, get so vaccinated. Basically, what it, the, that's the big change is just a lot of the younger people I seem, seem to see don't, don't wear masks anymore. Very much more have gotten used to going back to what it was. Whereas mm. the older demographic, the 40s, 50s, my kind of age, are a little bit more cautious. And there's also some, there's an ethnic diversity too. So I see a lot of Asian people, they've definitely masked up with a lot of the colored folk, mm. very much so. The Hispanic demographic, not so much, but that have never been so much. I mean, this is just what I'm seeing is not slur on anybody at all, but it's definitely different factions knocking around that you can... It's yeah. interesting to see. I was going to say, from my perspective, I'm still trying to keep well away from as many people as I possibly can because I'm not comfortable yet. It must, that must be really interesting and hard because it feels, from an outsider's point of view, when I listen to American podcasts, and that's, it feels like, oh, it's the pandemic is something that happened. It's, it's done. It's mm-hmm. gone. It's not there anymore. It's like, don't worry about it, everyone. It seems to be done. But, but then I watch the news and you go, wait, no, no, it's still in the country. It's still, it seems to be everywhere. It seems to be doing its thing. It's just this kind of, pretend it's not there and everything will be fine is that is is that just a weird outsider's point of view or is that what's actually no, happening you're, dead, you're absolutely dead right i mean you listen to the news i mean you, there are still the public broadcast saying wear a mask and sponsored by this person to wear a mask and that kind of stuff and yeah so it's out there and the mm. cdc are definitely encouraging this kind of behavior mm. but that's totally different to what is happening and out there I mean, yeah. you can do as best as you can to encourage it. And I mean, the governor of Texas pretty much says his instances where uh, he was talking specifically about schools, where schools wanted to have mask mandates uh, mm. for the kids, understandably. Mm. 
the government governor said, nope, that, we're not doing that. You basically know what to do. You can wear a mask. If you need to wear a mask, you should wear a mask. But right. he got yeah. to the point where he was actually going to suppress public funding if for any schools that contravene that dictate, which is like, right. just okay. crazy to me. Yeah. But it's what so if the school made a decision that you had to wear masks at that school, then they were going to lose their funding. Yep. They were that- losing the funding. Oh, and that, not, that didn't. I mean, every school didn't do that. Some schools, certainly in Austin, particularly, where I guess they have different funding streams, they could afford to do it. And you do hear that, mm. but a lot of schools, they just can't afford to lose that kind of funding. Of course, Understandably. Yeah. The government and that's just one example. It wasn't, right, it was, well, state funding in this instance. Mm. And it wasn't just schools, it was public bodies, that kind of thing, that fall under the same funding model. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that comes to the same with the university, where our president, where I work, he definitely wanted to keep that mandate going and was mm-hmm. pretty vocal about it when the government came about and saying this, but has no choice at all. So, so they're still just... very much encouraged, certainly within the university, certainly in close-knit groups. Mm-hmm. Um, outside, it's a little different. It seems mm-hmm. kind of accepted norm that if you're outside, you don't need to wear a mask. Okay. You're just not around people, fair enough. And I, and I know that it's a lot lower risk outside. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some fair amount of people that still wear it all the time, which is encouraging do you feel that people judge you for wearing it or not wearing it or is it just no. everyone just kind of does what they want to do that's a that's a really interesting one because no i never have had any pushback mm-hmm. but you kind of feel when nobody else is wearing it you have that peer pressure yes and yes i mean to me it's it's not such a big yeah. deal because like i said i really don't hang around people that much but when you do <laughs> in a store if you're the only person in the store it's like uh, you're the only one wearing a mask it's so yeah. Different. Do yeah. you do you get a thrill about going walking into banks wearing a mask now? Like that's that's my take on it. Is I back in the day you'd be for... you'd be you'd be asked to take out who goes into a bank nowadays. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yes. That's true. There is that adage, just like you'd never think about wearing a mask in the bank, would you? Yeah, because because someone would say, "Can you please take your mask off, please, sir?" That'd be great. Uh, yeah. And, but nowadays they're like, "Get your mask on, you monster! Uh, exactly. <laughs> hide your identity exactly. from this right. bank immediately." I'm not look. I'm not encouraging bank robbering, but look, look. It's a, it's 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 a smart enough thing to say that that look. This it's an opportune time. That's that's all we're saying. We're not saying you should do it, but you know you're going to have more likely. You're able to get past the first level of security. That's all. But look, look. I'm not mandating bank robbering. I'm just saying, suggesting it that it's possible for you all. Yeah, it's, it sounds interesting in Texas. Then that sounds like a uh, an interesting place to be, and it's. And that's state by state. Obviously, America is very much not a one entity. No, every state is so. different. I mean, I mean, even if you look at the maps for the COVID cases uh, just around Texas, there are definitely pockets of like mm. the main cities have less less cases, but that's primarily because they have majority of the vaccines. Yes, that's right. But you have like the north of Texas. The, the map is just insane for the n- number of people not vaccinated. I don't know if that is the case with other states. I've only looked at Texas, and mm-hmm. I can only really speak for San Antonio itself because. Right. Yeah. Of course. We've been, and we have been on vacation a few places, just a couple of days away in the middle of nowhere. But you've mm. got to go to the store to go buy food or whatever to cook in the barbecue. Yes. And you look around and say, "There's, there's nobody here wearing masks at all." And I come back to San Antonio. And say, I guess they're not doing the mandate anymore up there. Yeah. So, no, those guys—they never wore masks to start with. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's like you know, they just gave up. They were like, "No, not even gave up." They're like, "No, it's not happening." Right. It's, it's just a, the little towns, country towns. Just they do their own thing. Yeah, yeah, that's but, right. That's um, exactly. They're free. Not much free. Over, right? Like everyone has the opportunity to get vaccines 
Is that right? I mean, if you wanted the vaccine, you could yeah. get one. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the way I think the last time we talked, I think actually you mentioned this, that our university actively encouraged it to go mm-hmm. and get it almost to the point where as if you're not actually eligible because they were doing the age um, vaccinations at the time, but mm-hmm. because the university is high risk, if you like, yeah, um, they very much encouraged to go and use it. And actually, I got the third vaccine as well. Uh, oh, the recently. boost! You had a booster already. The, I, I got the booster, and that okay. came about. And I, I kind of circumvented the system a little <laughs> bit to say because they said, "Well, if you work for the university, you're high risk." I mean, they were obviously targeting faculty professors that are higher mm. risk. And said, "All right," and I got there to the hospital, and they said, uh, "You faculty? Sure, I'm faculty. Give me yeah, yeah. There's no way I'm walking out here and saying I'm not faculty. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. going to turn me around. Yeah. So yeah. I got the booster. That's good. Well, very happy about it. I have one question from a from a person who lives in in the United States. Recently, I came across the concept that some Americans think that Australia is a terrible is a terrible lockdown tyrannical state because we've had lockdowns still. Like I I still live in lockdowns. I can't leave Western Australia. It's very very difficult. Is have you seen any of? It it surprised me that there was this kind of all the Australians are locked inside. And and, and from our point of view, I mean, shoot, there are people. Look, there's always there's always a lunatic fringe who are kind of like, oh, you know, like freedom. But I mean, what's your take on that? Just have you heard anything like that from your point of point of view? My point of view is very skewed, so I can't talk as an American. No, 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 you're not American. That's yeah. No, it's not, not just that. I watch the ABC News down from where you are, too, because it's, it's a really good stream on YouTube. So I watch right. it a lot. So I kind of know your local situation. Yep. Okay. And, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. I know it's a lockdown, but I mean, WA's got it way better than like um, Melbourne or oh, yes. Sydney, whatever. We it's have like, no, okay. we have no, co- we have zero cases. Yeah, zero cases. Exactly. None, zero. <laughs> yeah. It's it's like lockdowns. So, you go, oh no, we're locked down in a tyrannical state. We can only, 70,000 yeah. people can go to the football and sit in the stadium together. Oh no, like it's it's really weird. It's, yeah. No, exactly yeah. right. So in, from your perspective, what I see is you're doing it right. I mean, you're doing the same as New Zealand is until that Sydney folk went over there and affected them <laughs> i'm not gonna i'm not gonna rag too much on the east coast but they are plague carriers that's that's what it comes down to yes. the people on the east coast of australia are filthy plague carriers they know it we all know it like it's it's an open secret it's fine uh, they would they wouldn't and mind me say saying that. that i'm sure you can say that because dan's not here right that's right <laughs> and you'll never listen dan's never gonna listen to oh. uh, no, he, <laughs> hey hi dan uh <laughs> yeah. all right well steve Stay safe, and and I mean, we'll talk. I'm sure we'll talk again in the future. I never thought yeah, when I sure first did this, I never thought we'd be talking. I, I stupidly, I know I say it every time. I always think we're never going to talk again. It just it's evolving now, really interesting into a the normal. I, I'm in, intrigued now what the normal looks like, and where we're kind of getting into the, I, I guess the tail of COVID or whatever the, the long tail or something. It's weird. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean. I don't think it's going away. That's the thing. I think this is going to become something we're just going to have to get either get used to or mm. some miracle vaccine comes out. But right now, it's just going to be like the flu. You get another shot every year and be done with yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but as far as these conversations goes, it's I, f- I find them very interesting just to get to know other people from around the world. <laughs> and really, I wouldn't care if this is COVID or not. It's just really interesting to hear other people. <laughs> oh. Anyway, Steve, thank you very much. And we'll talk again in six months or so. Sounds good. I look forward to it. Now we're going to go have a chat to Gabe in the Philippines. Hello, Gabe. How are you? 
Hello, it's good to hear from you. Yes, yes. We're, we're doing okay, actually. Do, oh, thank goodness, because yeah, last time things were feeling a bit grim uh, in your part right. of the world, and uh, you were still locked inside. You've been locked inside for a long time, and you weren't too sure how it was all going to happen and vaccinations and all the rest. So how's the last six months treated you? Um, well, you know, you had great, great timing to schedule this conversation with me. Yesterday, they started vaccinating kids. Oh, already. Okay. Oh, oh, fantastic. So we're like, wow, um, I have a 17-year-old son. So they started opening vaccinations yesterday. It's not our schedule yet. But, yes. But that's a big, big, big thing. And a good, where my city, we're about 80% of targeted adults already vaccinated. So That's amazing. Yes. Things are great. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's fantastic. So has it been smooth sailing the last six months? It has not been. August <laughs> right. was terrible for us. Um, right. August, we we were hitting thirty thousand positives a day, and for oh a country, goodness. for a country that doesn't test much, mm-hmm. and you're already getting thirty thousand, you're like, wow, that's crazy. The positivity rate was thirty percent. So three out of every ten were testing positive. Yesterday, we're now at around four thousand a day. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, a huge difference from where we were. Yeah. And as of yesterday, also, we've had 100 million vaccines already um, <laughs> imported into the country. And only about 30 to 40 million are, are still in the warehouses. So they're really ramping it all up for, for December. So really much better than where we were. That's amazing. That's, that sounds so much better. So it feels like the Philippines is kind of getting it under control. Would that be the right way of looking at it? Or is, it, is that too optimistic? too optimistic? That's a little too optimistic. I mean, it's, it's like we were, we're still, if you look at various indices, there's the Bloomberg, there's the Nikkei. We're still the worst performing country in terms oh. of COVID resilience and COVID response. Oh, no. Oh, that, Okay. They don't test all the countries, but of all the countries that they bothered to measure were at the bottom of both. So right. it's more like the worst performing student in class suddenly getting average. <laughs> <laughs> so it's still, sure, it's sure. an improvement, but yes. you know, there was nowhere to go but up. Need to try harder. That's what needs to be written on the report card. Right, right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But yeah, the, the, the availability of the vaccination is a huge, huge thing. Yeah. And is it open to anyone now? Well, you said not. it's slowly opening to children, to anyone under the age right. of 17. So is it, if you're an adult in the Philippines, can you just get a vaccine now? Or do you have to, um, how do you get the vaccine, I guess? Uh, if you're an adult right now, the lines are significantly shorter. And as long as you follow the vaccination schedule of your city, and all the major cities have vac- vaccinations uh, available uh, maybe five, six days a week. You can go get one. And yeah. then if you're uh, between 15 and 17, oh, no, sorry, 12 to 17 for November, the first few weeks, you have to have a medical certificate stating that you have comorbidities and you're a priority. And then after that, they're going to open it. The people who need it the most get it first, which is fair enough, and then right. open to everyone else. It's amazing that you've got down to 12. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, and we're getting uh, access to more of the, well, we're getting access to vaccines that have, are more forthright about their data because we've had mostly (laughs) Sinovac and Sinopharm. 
and now there's a lot of Moderna, Pfizer already. So yes. I think that that contributes to a lot mm. of the confidence um, coming yeah. in. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I know what you mean. That's yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. I, is 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 the Philippines uh, having booster shots yet? Is that for the for adults, or is it still just getting the main population through shots and then uh, and going from there? Yeah, they will be making and uh, they they've already made the announcement that especially those who have gotten a Sinovac vaccine mm-hmm. that starting November uh, fifteen, the FDA already recommends it. But the mechanism by which they're going to do it and how they'll make the announcement by November fifteenth. Okay, right. That's at least at least it's in the pipeline somewhere. It's somewhere. Somewhere, yes, yeah, right. Somewhere there. But you do have stories of people who have gotten Sinovac who just went ahead and got Moderna already, yes, right? Uh, because it's been six months and more for many of those who got those. So with that and now with access because there are now private corporations who have imported some of these vaccines still with end user agreement of the government in place but yes um right. since we now have an ac- an excess people are uh, getting the moderna on their own but it's not because of the government okay right <laughs> yes of course <laughs> if you have the opportunity go grab it yourself basically yeah yeah okay uh, fair enough so where do you see the country going from here? Well, there is a target that we're going to get like 70, 80% of the population vaccinated by the first quarter of next year. Even okay. some, yeah. some even say by the end, by December, by the end of December. That might be a little too optimistic, but there is certainly an urgency because the, the, the cold chain, the, the, the cold, cold chain supply chain and all of that. So yes, yes. We hope that will happen. I think Pretty much right now, if you're not, if you're an adult and you want to get the vaccine, you can, and you live in a major city, mm-hmm. you can get it. And those who have not gotten it, you know, have made the choice not to get it. So, sure. <laughs> yes. yeah. Is, is there a big problem with that in the Philippines of like anti-vax information or anti-vax sentiment? Not a big problem, mm. but there are. There, yeah. Okay. There yeah, are. Everywhere. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so not a big problem. Okay. I do want to point out for the listeners who can't see, every time I've talked to Gabe in the past, he's always been inside in his apartment. Yes. And I'm very, very excited to say you're sitting in a beautiful outside uh, garden, rock garden setting. It's gorgeous. Yeah. It's absolutely lovely. The sun is beating down. It looks very lovely. Yeah, I'm, ac- I'm actually in the office. Okay, uh, the, right. The, the past few times I've been speaking to you from my apartment and now I'm in the office, so... You know, there's a little bit of confidence doing that. Yes, time. that's right. And I saw you when, you when you first came on the camera, you were wearing a mask. So masking is still a big thing in the Philippines? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. It's, okay. uh, there was never an issue about that. Right. Okay. Uh, yes. Here. Sure. So maskings, when you're around people, yes, um, you yeah. do that. But the regulation is if you're outside and you're not around. So is I've, in a, a lot of... Asian countries, masking is a lot more acceptable than in in sort of more Western countries. Just generally, yes. in the past, is that the same with the Philippines? Yes, because we we've had something which was worse. <laughs> masking is mandated, but they were the to my knowledge, we are the only country that mandated plastic face shields. Oh, wow! <laughs> okay, so 
even indoors. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my goodness! So we're <laughs> we're more angry about that yeah. because the only country being asked, being mandated to wear that, and you know we 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 fought that for a very long yeah. time, and now now they're a little less stringent about requiring that. So we're like saying, if it's just masks, then we're okay. <laughs> yes, yeah, so masks are fine. Wow. Okay, the face shields, full face shields. That's exciting. That uh, just just have to wear like a welding mask and uh, yeah, and, and just see it, how that goes. It's terrible. It's it, it's really terrible. So in the host of, of of all the other things they they put on us, you know, we're like, okay, we're not gonna fight masks. Yeah, we'll, we'll fight the face shields, but we're not gonna fight the masks. I'm just trying to think of someone. I, I've never even heard of face shields anywhere else, as in mandated <laughs> or even asked for. So that's fascinating. Wow, the Philippines really decided to go whole hog there. And 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 the science is is against it. I mean, oh, you're, right. you're, okay. <laughs> you're yeah. actually at at more risk because oh my goodness, because it's getting trapped there and all of that. So of you're like, <laughs> yes, oh no, okay. Well, that's well. Then I'm glad that you managed to only keep to masks, and masking is still a good thing in the Philippines because it's. Yeah. I know in some places around the world, even masking, everyone's like, oh, we're done. We're done with masks. We're done with everything. So uh, yes, I'm glad the Philippines is sensible in that way. Yeah, they've they've officially the line is face shields are no longer required outdoors. Okay. Right. <laughs> Good. But... Yeah. It's not enforced, <laughs> obviously. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's fair <laughs> enough. Well, Gabe, thank you very much for this wonderful update on the Philippines. I'm so happy for you. It, I, I'm, I mean, I know it's not everything's not great at the moment, but right. uh, it it's seems better. Like it's, getting, it's getting better, and I, and I can hear it in your voice actually that things are getting better. You seem more animated and happier, and I, I'm, I'm happy to see that as well. Um, I'm happy to see you. It, it, it seems like a ritual that we have to catch up with <laughs> every six months. <laughs> That's right. I will probably talk to you again in the future. So thank you very much, yeah. Gabe. Thank you. Gentle listener, I'm sure you have been in lockdown of one sort or another, wherever you are in the world. But do you know the place that had the longest contiguous lockdown of any city in the world? Do you know the name of it? Well, it should have been called Batman, but they decided to call it Melbourne. Melbourne, Australia. We haven't talked to a Melbourne, Australia person before, so I thought I'd better get someone on because I think they probably have something interesting to say because, as I said, longest lockdown in the world. So welcome, Carol. How are you? Oh, I'm very good, Well, How are you? I'm doing very, very well. Thank Enjoying you. Enjoying your freedom out in the sunshine? I, I am. Well, basically, yes. As I've talked, we've talked about it on the podcast before, but but... The, I mean, we did get lockdowns here in Western Australia. I mean, we had, had four weeks. We had the 10 weeks back at the start a million years ago. And we've had like about four weeks of lockdown since then, but all, all split up in one little week things. And every time I looked up I'm, and stared out at my totally COVID-free state, all I could hear, sorry to rub it in, could, all I could sort of learn about was how Victoria was really getting the rough end of the pineapple. Just yeah, we really terrifying. Did. Just awful. So what was your experience with that? I think like most Victorians, I feel kind of cheated, you know, like Mm. most people in Australia, I have friends and relatives all over the country. So Mm -hmm. my brother in Mackay has never worn a face mask and I have 
face mask acne from yeah. having not had it off. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, we all sort of went through those six lockdowns and I honestly couldn't tell you how many days it was because it's too depressing to know that kind of information. <laughs> okay. But <laughs> we went through all of those lockdowns and at the time that we were locked down, almost no one else was, with mm-hmm. the exception of the last lockdown when at least we saw Sydney in the similar circumstances. But mm. it did really feel like you were... In my case, I was quite literally pressed against the window, you know, staring mm. out at the real world while you were trapped inside. It was a very surreal experience and it was quite isolating. And these sorts of Zoom conversations are the normal for me now. I have mm-hmm. over the last 18 months to two years, we've, we've lost our face-to-face contact and all of my work is conducted on this computer in my from my desk mm. in my lounge room. <laughs> it's a very different experience talking to people via video call, via Zoom, mm. especially if there's more than one person in the call, because it's very hard to get your attention across all of the different faces on the screen. For some reason, it's much easier to see body language and to notice things in person. Mm-hmm. And it's much easier to split your attention amongst a group of people if you're in a room with them. Mm-hmm. So we've all found it quite difficult. I'm very fortunate. I work with a my team of IT nerds, quite introverted, and they're quite happy to, <laughs> to yes. communicate via video or black messages or whatever. <laughs> but trying to talk to other more, more normal people is pretty challenging, especially in large groups. And the longer it's gone on, the the more we've found it kind of just grinds you down. You get tired far earlier than you would in a normal work day. But apart from the work, personally, it's been extremely difficult because I live alone and I don't have a partner to fight with or some pets to torment. (laughs) I was also living in a very small flat like you do in Melbourne with no balcony or outdoor area. And so Mm. that was very challenging. I haven't been able to go out in the sun without a mask for a very long time. Mm. So I'm pleased that we've, we're out of our, our lockdown now, but I think like most of Melbourne, I'm very wary about suddenly going out and doing things because we still see high infection numbers yeah. and we feel like at any moment now it could be lockdown number seven. Yes. <laughs> so- your, your premier is, I'm pretty confident they promised not to, that's the end of lockdowns. That's, it's all over Red Rover. Uh, of course, politicians made promises, and we, of course, believe. <laughs> I am a beautiful, naive fool. What can I say? Uh, <laughs> Perhaps they have different politicians in WA. Let's <laughs> <laughs> no, not go there. Yes, I, I don't. The, the the capital to deal with the legal team, unfortunately. So everything's great. They're wonderful people who don't never tell lies. Uh-huh. <laughs> so how's it? How's it been for people? I mean, it's very difficult. But but have people been compliant? If that's, that seems like the wrong word, but uh, have, have people been accepting of it on, on average uh, over that time or has there been like a, yeah. an unrest it's, to it? It's degraded really markedly this year. So last year, especially during that second lockdown, which was quite long toward, mm. from winter through to summer last year, mm, goodness, yeah. people were relatively compliant. We stuck to our restricted area of five kilometres there was a curfew here for a very long mm. time, so people didn't go out at night. So most people were compliant with that. There were, of course, a small number of people who were not, and you've seen a lot of people rioting in the streets recently. They're yes. some of the people who were not, yes. I would think. Yeah. But in the last lockdown, I noticed that people were not complying. So you don't see as much social distancing. Mask wearing has fallen off. People are obviously doing things that they're not meant to be doing. And previously, there, we were a bit of a state of dobbers 
you would see people in the street <laughs> telling other people off, put your yeah. mask on. Yes. <laughs> that doesn't happen anymore. Uh, you can see that there's a, a just a general weariness, particularly this last lockdown. It's been, you know, in the first couple of lockdowns, everyone took up making making homemade bread and, and learning new hobbies. And I personally spent a fortune on all sorts of hobby material that Australia <laughs> Post sent to me very slowly over the three or four months. <laughs> so, yes. um, we all yeah. we all did things to try to improve ourselves, I think. But the last lockdown, I think just finally everybody just subscribed to all of the potential TV streaming services and sat on their sofa. <laughs> nothing. New South Wales and Victoria have now gone and mm. definitely got rid of COVID zero. That's not, that's not even no, vaguely. No, no. Now it's a mitigation situation. Yeah. Now it's, mitigation is, is vaccinations and masks and that's yeah. about it. Yeah. And social distancing and, and hand washing and, you know, the usual run of mill things that we've been doing all along. And they are saying that there's no more lockdowns. They're mm. saying that our arts industry, which has been completely decimated and still mm. isn't back to normal, will come back when we hit 90% vaccination. I have to confess, mm. I no longer know what the rules are because like most people in Melbourne, I kind of gave up <laughs> trying yes, to keep up right. with the ever-changing rules. <laughs> I just know that we're waiting for some more magic numbers before I get to go back to the theatre or to a yeah. gig. I know many people who work in the arts and mm. and it's that's. It, I know it's been hard for everyone, but it's really hard for the arts to, to group yeah. because it's on one level, if you're a sports group, you can have bigger outdoor areas. And so people mm-hmm. normally sports go and sit in big stadiums and that's okay. I, I guess I'm slightly bitter, but you can put 20,000 people into a $40,000, a 40,000 person stadium because it's 50%. That's so fine. But you can't, yeah. you're not allowed to put 50 people into a hundred seat theater because that's too close. And I get it. I get it. I understand inside in yep. a room, but also stuff that because yeah. it, 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 there just seems to be this other rule for, oh, you can't sit and watch theatre because you may get yeah. COVID, but don't worry, the footy's still on. You're like, mm. yeah. Anyway. yeah, I think Melbourne used to be, I used to think of it as like a, a music hub. You know, we, mm. we, I just used to go out to gigs all the time, different like classical concerts and, and all sorts of musical performances and just to the local pub where there would be a band on. And so the loss of that has been really, I've really felt it in the way I, I interact with people. I don't have that conversation started. Did you see X the other mm. day or are you going to such and such a show? That, that, the loss of that cultural life has been particularly difficult for the people who really participated in it. But of course, mm. Melbourne does love its footy. Mm. <laughs> so yes, yes. I know that the people who follow the footy, which unfortunately doesn't include me, they're all um, happy that they can go back to the grounds again and start cheering yeah. their teams on. Which is good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's... yeah, which is good. But I think you can see there from that conversation, the feeling we have, we all still feel kind of bitter and cheated. Yeah. The yeah. things that we really, that made our city great and made us love living here have, were completely taken away and they're not coming back quickly. It's all mm. small mm-hmm. little concessions here and there. So it does make it feel like a hard-fought victory. Would you consider in the future not living in Melbourne but going more into yes. the into the regions? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I would have moved already if I could have. Yes. Right, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm going to have to go back into the office to work very soon and I didn't want to have to commute more than four hours a day. So I've moved <laughs> to a, a location with some outdoor area but still within a half-hour commute of work. Mm-hmm. And when I, I've changed my plans for my career, I, I'm in my mid to late fifties and I'm going to retire at the first available opportunity now, hopefully <laughs> within 18 months. Right. And I, sure. I think a lot of people are trying to do the same thing. They're changing. I've, I've noticed many 
of my staff who are in their sort of late 20s, early 30s have changed their careers mm, mm. quite completely. They've quit their jobs and gone off to do something else. Mm-hmm. So I think there's been a, a sort of shift in people's relation to the workplace, which has sort of been caused by the whole working from home thing. I wonder how many of those people saw what their partner did and thought, hang on a minute, I've got a raw deal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's definitely been a bit of that. Yeah, sort of uh, yeah, yeah. Um, COVID-induced stress or at least COVID-induced impetus to change. Yeah, I imagine the parents with small children at home, I felt for them really. Oh, it would have been terrible, I, uh, especially when the playgrounds were closed and you couldn't even take the child to the park to play on the swing. In Melbourne, there's a lot of high-density apartments and things, and many of the of the people who live there don't have any other outdoor space. It's just mm-hmm. the local park. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it made it very difficult for people with, with children. That would make me funny in the head because I I, I just – I know that when – I, I, when I when we were locked down, that I would I would slip out into the into a local park and sort of run around like a wood nymph uh, for a while. <laughs> but I had that opportunity, so um, I so, can just uh, imagine you dressed yeah, like yeah, a yeah. <laughs> some some sort of some sort of satyr. They would have fitted right in in Melbourne. There were a lot of people behaving very oddly, <laughs> especially in the last lockdown. Yes, yeah, but it's but if I've been told. And, and I was told, I, it was not about me, but yes, I mean, I, I, I was quarantined a couple of times, so I know how hard it, that, but that was, that, that was for, that was for two weeks and two weeks was enough for me and any yeah. more than that. And I think I would have gone, I would have curdled. So, yes. uh, well done. Well done you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, we, we all hope that we came out of it with our sanity intact, but we're not yet sure. <laughs> <laughs> so what's Let's your see. hope? What's your hope now that it's now it's into mitigation and we're, we're into this new normal or we're working out what the new normal is what's your hope for this or what's your what's your prediction or thoughts about the future like the next 12 months let's say i do worry that we're going to have more variants that cause us difficulty we've seen differences in hospitalization death rates with the different variants that have come Mm. through so this last lockdown was probably as long as the same as the same time last year but the death rate was far lower you know in Mm. we had at least 800 die in our second wave and far less than that this time. So mm. we all hope that we will continue to see, perversely, a virus that spreads quickly and doesn't make people sick and die. Mm. It would be far better if it would mutate to be the kind of virus that didn't cause so many hospitalizations. But I do worry about that, the variants that might come up. I think that there's going there's got to be a bit of a change in the way we manage it. And I'm I'm sorry to see the end of the the whole national cabinet and the, the state leaders discussing things because mm-hmm. I think the border closures have been particularly difficult for Australians where we haven't mm-hmm. been able to get home to see family. I mean, you're in the same boat as me with relatives yes. interstate. So I would really hope that that continued so that we got some kind of national agreement on when borders were open and, mm-hmm. and they would remain open. And that probably goes for international borders as well. I think the uncertainty is the thing that's caused people the most difficulty, and I would love to see that quashed as much as possible, yes. give people some yeah. some firm ideas about what's happening and when. I think the next year in particular will still be pretty difficult, and I'm expecting it to be, you know, there'll be sudden changes. And we've had a few cases of the of our buildings at work being infected recently and having mm. to shut down and our, our services being impacted. So we see a lot of that. Yeah. happening i think and we'll we'll expect to see that for at least six months i hope i don't have to live through another pandemic i mean <laughs> not, not the kind of experience i'd wish on someone else yes yes but i do 
I, I suppose because I feel quite impacted by the most recent experience, the most recent lockdown, I don't feel very positive about escaping this easily. You know, yeah. I feel like we've yeah. got our feet in the mud and it's going to be hard to get out. Yes, yeah, well, yeah. now that it's here. Yeah. I, I'm going to assume you're fully vaccinated. That would be my guess. Of course. Yes. Got, <laughs> so hopefully if, yeah, if you do get it, it won't, it'll just, it'll just be a disease, you know, and then, and then you'll just walk yeah. through it. That's, that's I'm, I'm thinking myself then that's more of a reflection on myself, how I look at it when, when Western Australia opens its borders and the disease comes yeah. in. So I kind of go, well, I'm assuming I'm going to get it at some point. And then, and then, yeah. Yeah. I got the AstraZeneca vaccine shortly Mm. before they decided not to give it to people my age, but it didn't really matter to me. I was a bit disheartened by the whole conversation about the different brands of vaccine and the Mm -hmm. different, um, because they're all very effective and it, it just seemed to be a waste of airtime. Yeah. (laughs) We could have been talking about something else. To me, it was the misunderstanding of statistics. And, and I went, oh, we need to teach statistics more to students in high school, no matter what age you are, or even in, in university, or just to people in general. You need to learn statistics, yeah. basic stats, because then those numbers, you would have gone, oh, okay, fair enough. Like the numbers you just said then, and, and I'm, not, I'm not discounting the deaths of 800 people. It is a tragedy. Mm. But that the people I've talked to around the world, you go, they're talking about mm. tens of scores or hundreds a day. If infect- yes, I know. infections in the tens of thousands per day yes. and, and, and this doesn't mitigate Australia's horror, but I just, we just don't get statistics. I think as, as a, as a no. collective group, we just, these numbers. Yeah. It's interesting. But I think if you do understand statistics and you live in Melbourne, it adds an element of angst into the conversation about why us, mm. because you see mm. the numbers of people who have been infected and, and died and, uh, in comparison to the rest of the world. But mm. I also have a number of people who work in healthcare in my social circle mm. and they're exhausted, absolutely mm. run into the mm. ground. I think that they'll be quitting in droves. I think mm. we'll find it very difficult to to get people in, in the health and medical fields yeah. back like up to normal working speed. They all seem to just be ground down to the point where they can barely manage a normal day's work. And it's it's no wonder really they've got not just the normal um, emergency medicine but also all of this extra burden as well yes good luck with your statistics education program i think <laughs> if we were able to do that we wouldn't have so many casinos in this or parking <laughs> in this country <laughs> this is true yes yes this, unfortunately well yeah that's why they don't want them i guess and now we go, oh, that's a whole different thing it's the on the medical side of things i i I can't even fathom what it'd be like because I know that all the, in Australia, and it must be around the world as well, the medical systems have been shown to be lacking. I mean, Australia, we're mm. lucky enough to to have a, a basically a free, I mean, if you get COVID, you can go to hospital. Mm. Like no one's going to charge That's you. Right. You'll you cut your arm and leg off and sell your house to pay for it. But still, mm. there's only so many beds. And, yeah. and you may just die or be sick without help because there's just literally nowhere to put you. Yeah. And that's a bit spooky. That shouldn't be. Yeah. I think we've been very lucky, but I mean, that's the reason for the kind of restrictions that we had to keep mm. the numbers down to the point where the medical team could actually still basically cope. But mm. having basically coped for 18 months nonstop, I think that they might be at the point where they can't cope anymore. Well, Carol, I hope that very soon that we are able to go and get a drink in a pub and listen to a band. And I hope that we can invite, we can invite all our listeners, all the listeners to the podcast Yay! to the same, to the same uh, venue and we can all meet up together and have a good old time. Absolutely. So. I'd love that. Yes. Happy to accept any invitation to the pub for a drink. 
Excellent. You've heard that, listeners. If you're in Melbourne you can, and you can find Melbourne, who you know me, and you know Carol, you definitely get in contact with her. And if you don't know, I yep. can pass on her details. I'm sure. No, no. <laughs> I'll tell you where she lives. Actually, I have no idea where you live anymore. You live in no, a whole I'm new not place. You anymore. That's her first. Oh, I've, I've ruined my chances. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Carol. You're welcome. Wow. Nice to talk to you. Even though it is spring. On the correct hemisphere, on the strange northern hemisphere, it's going into autumn. And therefore, I will be talking to strange autumnal people, such as Amaya in New York. Hello, Amaya. Hello. Yes. It's really nice, actually, to have Halloween actually be in autumn. <laughs> you know, and, and, and outside actually looks like, you know, all of the merchandise. It's, um, <laughs> things, yeah, things are orange and things are dying. It's like, oh, right. it's, the, it's the spooky time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, as, you, as I'm sure you know, it doesn't make any sense for us. You go, why does Christmas have snow in it? And why does, like, all this stuff, it just, it's just madness. And you go, so we have to make stories about kangaroos and the blazing sun. It, it's, we try hard, but it, look, I, I know it's not right. I know it's wrong. <laughs> I just have to. I just have to prop for the Southern Hemisphere. That's all. Don't, don't tell anyone. That's a secret between you and me, Amaya. That's all. It's, I know. It, I know. It's my home. I understand. <laughs> so, how's it going in New York uh, on the pandemic front? Well, what I would say is actually we're in a pretty good place. We're really at the kind of asymptote of the third wave of like, like of the Delta variant wave, mm. and even though you know clearly that's incredibly contagious and you know has has caused a lot of problems it really hit america well into the vaccination program and so we didn't see a huge uptick the way that you know we did when they first started opening things up again because most people were coming out to being vaccinated and you know the thing about new york is it is a community where people are much more concerned about things like vaccination and things like okay. public health because it's such a, everybody's living in each other's pockets and it's such a high density area and it mm. was such a highly affected community at you know various points of of the pandemic not just in terms of a lot of people dying and a lot of people getting sick which they were but also a lot of people just left the city because in a world where if you're living in high density housing and a high rise in the pockets of someone who's sick next door, you know, and, and you have an option to maybe cancel your lease and move to your hometown where you came from, or even just to upstate New York or, you know, any of these kind of things, and then live in a larger house with more, you know, outdoor area or more space for your children or even just a house that costs a quarter of the price, you know, and these are a lot of things that, that you know, that happen, you know, including, yeah. you know, we, we have tenants and we lost tenants, mm. for, you know, for that reason, they, they moved to a cheaper state um, during the pandemic and that was quite normal. And so we sort of had this very weird ghost town period of the pandemic and that's really turned around. Mm. And I, I think the thing that has happened in terms of bureaucracy is kind of what you actually want to see in that, well, and look, there are vaccine hesitant people, of course. There is a bit of news going on at the moment about there was a mandate put in and say, if you want to work for the for the city, you want to work for the government in New York, you have to be vaccinated. There was a, a deadline and it's just passed. But the majority of people in those jobs 
were vaccinated and then when there was a mandate with a deadline put in uh, many of the remainders went and got vaccinated there is still some of these people who are not but for the most part this is a heavily vaccinated community and they've instituted mandates that i think are really making a lot of sense and making life return somewhat to normal but in a safe way so you know you can basically go and walk into any number of places and get a vaccine at this point you know they have started funding booster vaccines for people who've already been double vaccinated and they started a very good program of you know, mandatory vaccine screening if you want to go to certain entertainment venues. And so, like, you know, America's often about personal freedom over Mm -hmm. community safety. And so, like, there is a case for people to say, I don't want to be vaccinated, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. In New York, that just means you can't go to the movies, you can't go to the theatre, you can't go to the supermarket, you can't work for the city, you can't, you know, do these kind of things. And so, you know, that's certainly a personal choice that you can have. But I think that those choices are becoming less important to people in the face of not having a job the next day. Yeah. It's interesting uh, chatting to uh, Steve who lives in San Antonio in Texas, very, very different state uh, rules because no mandated. In fact, yeah, their, their governor went no mandates or in fact legally can't mandate things. So he's living in a very different world where it's sort of, he's, well, he's more scared. It felt and more worried because he's doing the right thing. A lot of people around him are, but because he works for university, but he doesn't live in a state that seems to care about that sort of stuff. So. As I say, their focus is different to mm. maybe what mine might be, you know, which is to say they, there is a certain part of the American population that cares very, very deeply about personal freedom and that the Constitution supports that point of view. Mm. And their perspective is often who cares about the guy next door, right? Who cares about, you know, mm. grandma dying or whatever. It's all about me. Da, 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 da. And, 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 that, and unfortunately, that opinion is a little bit pervasive. What has happened, I think, though, is that some of that has shifted over time. Look, there are certainly those people and, you know, they're the same sort of people who, you know, maybe get into conspiracy theories or are very anti-government or, you know, you know, listen, I, I, there are, there, there is some empathy there. The, you know, the government is not always kind to people here. And so Mm -hmm. I understand why there is a mistrust. But what has ended up happening is that like a lot of, you know, a lot of, very extreme views whether it's on health or politics or whatever is it's a it's a vocal minority it's not actually you know the majority of people the majority of people are vaccinated and the majority of people you know are wearing masks when necessary and are you know doing these kind of things but there is unfortunately this trend of people who genuinely believe that COVID is a hoax or COVID is a not you know it's just it's just like the flu i mean and they forget Mm. that the flu can kill too right but you know so these are the people who are frequently you know like saying to medical people in hospitals like oh it can't be covid and like you're dying of covid like the the disease doesn't care what you believe about its existence and so what's ended up happening over time is that a number of the that vocal minority have either passed away unfortunately of covid Mm. Or have gone and quietly got the vaccine. Yes. Right. So the majority (laughs) of conservative politicians, for example, in America, even the ones who are very vocal about vaccine freedom or, Mm. you know, personal choice when it comes to medical care, 
Uh, they are vaccinated themselves. Of course they would be, yeah. Right. And they probably mandate for people in their offices to be vaccinated. I think they would probably say, hey, you should probably get vaccinated because I don't want to catch the disease. Uh, right. And so actually the, there's a couple of things that I think are really going to continue to shift the curve in America. And I always say that, you know, in the United States, a lot of things come down to money. Mm-hmm. Right. And so mm-hmm. what does that mean? It means that if, if you really, if your choice is vaccine hesitancy versus not having a job, right. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. strong is your conviction? suddenly becomes very seriously <laughs> into question. But the other thing is, and, and this is where I think the remainder of the unvaccinated are going to really start being affected, is that they're starting to treat vaccination like a voluntary poor health decision. Mm. And by that, I mean, whether it's unions or whether it's private insurance companies, you know, whatever, are starting to charge people who are voluntarily unvaccinated more for their medical care or more for their insurance because, yes, you have the personal freedom to smoke, you have the personal freedom to be vaccinated, but these are things that have health implications and and health cost implications. And so I really think that that is where, you know, it will start really making an impact because at the end of the day, you know, the American medical system is incredibly expensive for the average person Mm-hmm. anyway mm-hmm. and if you suddenly got told your incredibly large medical bill was going to be 20 percent more expensive because you chose not to be vaccinated that i mean that could be the difference between you keeping your house for example yeah. so these are the things where you actually see social change and it's unfortunate that it's not a desire to protect the community or to <laughs> you know reduce the disease that is causing that curve but anything that shifts the curve i welcome frankly yeah i guess it's that whole that to quote a very old uh, Simpsons quote, to get to Duff Gardens, I'd ride with the devil himself. So it's the, it's the idea of, if, yeah, if, you're, if that's how you're going to make people do it, by, by hitting them in the hip pocket or threatening to hit them in the hip pocket, then they may right. respond to that. So it's similar right. to if you, so if, you binge, if you were binge eating or if you were incredibly overweight or an alcoholic or a smoker yes. or whatever, these are all the same decisions. You have the personal freedom to do all those things, but yes. society says, why should we, why should the medical community pay for that? You have to pay for that. Exactly. Yeah, and that, that's exactly it. And, you know, the, the, the thing that I actually liken it to in America is where we're starting to see, even though there's a very, again, there's a very vocal minority on things like um, gun control and sort mm-hmm. of wanting to have a lot of personal access to sometimes very large amounts of, of, of weaponry. Actually, the number of victims of things like mass shootings you know, suing the NRA, suing mm. gun manufacturers is the thing that is turning those curves. And so you yeah. kind of have to follow the legislate, like follow the legal battles, follow the money. And that tends to be how you shift things in America. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's, and, and probably everywhere as well. But yes, definitely, definitely in the United States, it does feel that way. My goodness, could the, could the legal system be used for good? Check back here in a couple of years' time, I guess. That's, that's, very, that's very cynical of me. I say, I, allegedly, allegedly. Oh, God, what am I talking about? Oh, no, don't. <laughs> so I, what I wanted to say, though, is I, I think, you know, I mean, uh, you know, Morrison has said all of this stuff about sort of having to live, having to live oh. with COVID mm. and, you know, zero COVID yeah. not, no longer being a goal. What I will say is actually that is kind of where we're at in New York because zero COVID was never going to be possible. It's a large international port for both sea and flights and so on. But we're down to 1% of the population testing as infected. Mm -hmm. And so really that's kind of getting down into the sort of 
yellowish end of the warning scale right that's where you know because when things so there was a there was a very sensible scale put in for for new york city which was kind of like uh, and I, I think my area got up to eight percent oh, infected wow. at one point that's, that's very high yes it's very very high right um and then what they did was they said well when we get to four percent that's when we'll allow non-essential businesses. And when we get to 2%, that's when we're going to allow certain amounts of entertainment. And so we're well under that curve, mm-hmm. right? So now it's more about management of the situation than mm. it is, you know, avoidance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but you know, it- we're back at a point where Broadway is reopened and musical <laughs> venues have reopened and all of these kind of things, but you have to turn up with a vaccine app Mm-hmm. Or you know uh, records of your vaccine, and they and they do check the, your records against your ID, right? You can't just steal yes. your flatmates or yes. whatever, right? <laughs> like they are actually checking that it's you, and and you need that every time you sit down to eat or you know buy something or you know That's whatever. It, okay. And so they really check it. Actually, it feels enforced. like the right level of yeah, it's being yeah. enforced very very heavily. And I think frankly, what's ended up happening is because so much business in New York is entertainment for restaurants, for theatre, for so on, these are people on the front line. If mm. you're, you know, if you're a, a waitress, you don't want people who are potentially sick coming into your business. Mm. And, of course, you know, there is a lot of, you know, businesses and schools and so on being shut down when people do get infected and turn up. So, like, it's potentially not just, you know, risk to your health, but risk to your income and so on. So they are absolutely enforcing it. Yeah. That's that's really interesting. Uh, I've been watching. I started watching it weirdly from the um, late night television angle. So watching yeah. a lot of them. A lot of them, of course, started working from from basements and from their homes and that sort of stuff. And now yes. they're all coming out of. They're all sl- bursting in New York out, like Stephen Colbert and all those sort of people. I will say though, I mean, I'm glad for them. I'm happy that everyone's back. And of course, there was a certain level of charm about watching all these shows in rooms where they had to kind as of if they were as if they were podcasts yes, being, being yes. conducted from someone's house yeah I, yeah I agree i thought it was it, it was like a cottage industry it was quite sweet and they, and they did yeah. different they had to do different new things and they sort of reinvented themselves anyway that's a very you know a good thing that came out of covid anyway uh, i'm intrigued by your the percentage talk there because in australia we, we never talk percentages we talk numbers so we talk this many two thousand cases today, or this many deaths today. I mean, you can you can get those as well. Like, I mean, I've I've got them here. I, I'm looking at the all time. Oh, well, so here we go. We've we've got so the updates are things like total cases for New York City were mm. in the sort of one point one two million range, yeah. and you can get them per day, and you can get them per day by infection, by hospitalization, and by death. Yes, right. Um, and those numbers are all available, but you need to remember that you know it was it was a hot spot. It's and it's mm. a high population area in general. So like we had, we had days of thousands dead. Mm. Yeah. Right. Yes. So yes. you know you, you end up having weeks where more people died in in one city alone than Australia has ever had. Yes. I think that that's, and that's the, sorry, that was the point I'm trying to make there. That's, it's, that's the thought process that's come. We're seeing it from numbers and, and, and you, but your mitigation strategy has to be percentages. And I, I, I understand that. It's just, it brings back the horror of it for me, actually. It's just that kind of, we, 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 I mean, I live in WA, which is the hermit state in the hermit, the hermit country. And it's, it's shocking. Like we, we got one case and we freaked out and ran in circles and shut down. It, it, we're very lucky. It's the point I'm trying to make is I just, I always remember that. I just, it's, it's so awful when you hear about, you know, thousands dying in a day. It's just, 
Mind blowing. So seven day rolling average is eight people dying a day in New York. And so that's really mm. our minima since March, 2020. All this information, does that change your life? I mean, obviously masking and, and vaccinations. Do, do you still go out? Do you find it or do you just decide not to as much as then you used to, like pre-COVID? Like what's, yeah, so listen, you? we have basically, we have gone out really since maybe, maybe this time last year. And, and here's, here's how it's worked for us. I don't mind going to restaurants and things where they do distance. And there's now actually, I, this is, you know, you're talking about things, the nice things that have come out of COVID. Actually, one of the things that's made an amazing difference in New York is that there is now a lot of outdoor eating, which there previously wasn't. And there was a lot of, they've basically given up a lot of like car parking lanes in the city. And now those are big open air seating. Right. And they've okay. actually closed a number of streets for open air seating and things. And that's actually really nice Mm. and they're going to continue that program because it's been so successful but what i would say is like restaurants are one thing right when you are you know a meter away from someone and a lot of them have now plastic shields and you know it's new york many restaurants have booths anyway so you Mm. you could have been physically separated at all times regardless right Mm. so that sort of thing i don't mind actually at the end of last year was probably the best time for us because we could do things like schedule visits to gardens or to museums or so on and sometimes be the only people in the building (laughs) right or the only people in the room like you know Mm. who would have thought you could go to a major art museum in new york and be the only person like in a giant yes yeah yeah yeah, wow so that was great but then as sort of people have become you know there was really just a point i think in the spring when it felt like people actually kind of came out and it was Mm. like oh it's like there's people on the street again and there's people you know going to things again and actually at that point we pulled back quite a bit because Mm. then there was this kind of tipping point of you went from being the only person in the room to oh it's like standard tourist crowds at the Met no I don't want to be in a room like a room with one person was great. A room with a thousand people, not so much. <laughs> yes, yeah, statistically, right? that's not a good chat. Yeah, someone there's right. got COVID. Yeah. And so what I would say is it's, it has somewhat changed the nature of the things that we have done. This is a very unusual Halloween for me because I'm usually a big Halloween person. And in mm. New York, there's always big balls and cocktail parties and parades and da, 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 da. and and we would usually go to a number of those kind of events. And we have chosen not to because it's just like, do I want to, you know, like the Halloween parade in New York often has two to three million people on mm. the streets. <laughs> I do not want to be in that crowd. No, right? no, no, not at all. No, not at all. And so those are the kind of things that I mean is it, it means that we're sort of doing more things in smaller groups and more, you know, small groups at home than necessarily maybe going to a pub or going to an event, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it would be, oh, maybe we'll have a dinner party at home instead, or maybe we'll have a barbecue at home, or maybe we'll go to a museum and not to a nightclub or, you know, those kind yeah. of things. So, so that you kind yeah. of can limit your crowd exposure. And I think that that's a pretty common attitude. Sure. Yeah. And of course, every six months podcasting, very important. And every me. six months podcasting, it's the highlight of my social calendar. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Amaya, with that, I'm going to end on a high note. Thank you very much for your time. And That's your, okay. And uh, we'll, we'll get in contact with you again in another six months. Yeah, with, yeah, of course. Of course. The check-in. Thank you very much. Moving 
over to France now. And of course, that means we're talking to Celine. Hello again, Celine. Hello. <laughs> Hello from France. <laughs> and yes, yeah, so how's France going hey, with the, the whole pandemic thing? It's difficult to explain. <laughs> oh, excellent. <laughs> because uh, like um, it seems in France that rules are changing all the time. <laughs> oh, right. For instance. Yes. So uh, sometimes we have to wear masks, for instance, sometimes mm -hmm. not. Mm -hmm. It depends. And the main thing is that we have, um, uh, I don't know the name, it's sanit sanitary pass. And, uh, okay, uh, yes. On your phone, you have to check something when you go to, to see a movie, to a restaurant, to yes. a bar, to a concert. A, you have to show a QR code mm -hmm. showing that you are vaccinated, fully vaccinated, or that you have a PCR test. Ah. PCR test. So, okay, so, so they're checking to see if you're vaccinated or you've had a test recently. Yes. Ah. All the time when you go to a public place and uh, it was supposed to, to be until the end of the year only. And now it's supposed to be at least until next summer. And oh my goodness. maybe later, we, we don't know. <laughs> yes. As <laughs> long as it's needed, least, maybe. Yes. At least everything is open. Restaurants are open. Movies too. Okay. We can see concerts again. Life is going on. <laughs> yes, finally. I remember last time we chatted, you couldn't go to bookstores. I'm guessing bookstores yes. are open again now. <laughs> it's open now. We can buy books. <laughs> right. Okay. That sounds good then. At least it means, though there are some restrictions, it sounds like life is going back to pretty much normal. Would that be fair to say? Quite normal, I think, but I have to say it's as if it was never going to end, you know, mm -hmm. that you have to, to show this QR code on your, on your phone. You have to wear masks when you enter these public places, mm -hmm. when you are inside, when you go shopping. Or, so it's not, it's better than it was last time, of course. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. still not really normal, I think, because as long as we have, have to wear masks, I think it's, we, we don't see people. We don't see their expressions. Yes. It's, it's really strange. It's, yeah, so you're having uh, Personally, I would like to see faces, to see people again, to see <laughs> people smiling. <or> to... <laughs> yes. Actually enjoying being out and about. Okay. So is, are there a lot of cases in France at the moment? Is, is it a, is there a big wave of COVID cases or is it sort of under control? What's your, what's your feeling on that? Uh, we are that this is the beginning of a new wave. So, I think the fourth or the fifth, I, I don't remember. <laughs> we will, but, yes. Who remembers the number of waves now? So many waves. <laughs> so we have quite a lot of cases, but really less than it was at the first or the second wave. And we have not too many people in the, in the hospitals. And that is the, the most important thing. So we have, we have some cases, but young people or people, and most of the people who are in the hospital are people uh, who are not vaccinated. Maybe uh... three, 75% or maybe more. I, yeah. I don't know the, the exact number, but, um, but for the moment, it's, we, we don't worry very much, but our president is, Emmanuel Macron is going to speak mm -hmm. on the TV, uh, next Tuesday. And mm -hmm. every time he speaks, it's not good. So <laughs> we're oh, all no. a little bit worried. Oh no. <laughs> we don't know. We don't like when he's going to talk. <laughs> yes. Oh we dear. We don't know what he's, he's always bringing bad news. Yes, That's, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I feel sorry for Macron, actually, in that, that case. Imagine being the leader and having to deal with this. What a, he, didn't, he didn't want this. He didn't. <laughs> it must be quite difficult for him. Are you allowed to travel around Europe? Is Europe open to you and the, and the rest of the world? Or are there places you can't go? Yes. In Europe, you can travel quite easily, I have to say. But uh, for each country, you have to be 
vaccinated or to show you have to, to show your um, the, the QR code it is European it is for all mm. European Union okay. so yeah. you have to show it when you are to, to go on a plane or when you when your plane is landing or, and most of the time you have to fulfill something on internet um, passenger loca location form for each country for instance I went to Spain I went to Malta mm -hmm. and you have to, to 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 say when you are staying what's your name when you uh, where you are living and, yes. and so on for the rest of the world for the moment it's we can go in countries who are open but for instance for European countries uh, Asia is closed most most of uh, Yeah. It's impossible to go or only for exceptions. Yeah. We can go to South America. Soon we'll be able to go to uh, United States. We can go to Canada. Um, we can go to some African country, but not, of them, not all of them. There are 54 African countries, so I guess that's a lot to yeah. get to. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. We so you cannot go to, to Australia, as you know. No, <laughs> no, no. no. Well, well, it's I, closed I, for uh, foreign years. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, closed inside and out. But let's face it, yeah. our prime minister and your president aren't the best of friends at the moment. They're, yeah. they're, they're quite angry at each other. So, well, no. Yes, that's I think, true. Yeah, well, let's face it. Your your prime minister, sorry, your president is angry at our prime minister for 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 lying. But that's a look. That's a different different thing for another time. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. So it, but it sounds like your day to day life has gone back to pretty much normal. But that's 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 pretty fair to say. Yes, it's it's much better because when we talked six months ago, everything mm. was closed, mm -hmm. and today everything is opened us. So. Yeah. It's way better. Yeah. And <laughs> we it's we due enjoyed to, life again. And it's due to the vaccinations, it sounds like. It sounds like if only people who aren't vaccinated are really getting sick now. I mean, people are getting sick, but they're not being hospitalized if they're yes. vaccinated. Yeah. That's great. So to... Because we, for instance, young people, are as, as, <laughs> we, went, we went to vaccination uh, in the spring, and maybe uh, May and June. Yeah. It was, it was possible to get vaccinated for, those, for the summer. It was nice. Are you getting booster shots yet? Like the six monthly booster shots, like the third or fourth shot, or no, just just the two? For the moment, it's third shot is for uh, elderly people, for uh, people who are more than sixty-five. Mm -hmm. But probably, I think at the beginning of the year or uh, in the spring, mm -hmm. it would be for us too. I think. Okay. But yeah. but it has begun in France uh, the third shot. Right. Okay. That sounds, well, that also sounds quite hopeful. Uh, so it does seem that, that France is sort of making a pretty good comeback. And uh, I'm very excited to hear that. It must make you very happy. Yes, uh, I hope <laughs> that it's going to, to get better and better. That's fantastic. Well, Celine, thank you very much. Once again, when we talk in six months more time, I'm sure it'll all be, oh, well, I don't know, but I'm hoping yeah, it'll we be. We will see where we are, but I, I, I try and be hopeful at the end at these interviews and I end up going, oh, I probably shouldn't say that, but I, I hope that we talk together and things will be, and you can see all the smiling faces. Yeah, <laughs> I hope too that um, it will be over. <laughs> Hopefully, that's what, we, that's what we all want. Thank you very much, Celine, and we'll talk again You're very welcome. soon. Bye, have a nice day. I don't even know why I'm going to do this interview, the next one. I really don't. It'll just be the same old, same old. Every time I talk to this person, I just get the same answer, which is everything's great. It's wonderful. Nicest place on earth. Everyone should go here. You can all come visit me in my wonderful place. Isn't it lovely? Blah, blah, blah. I speak, of course, of Kath in New Zealand. Hi, Kath. Yada. 
So yes, Gath, New Zealand, how's it all going? Is it still still boring? It depends on what standard you're measuring it by. Oh no, here we go. <laughs> uh oh. Uh, it has changed a lot since August for us. In August, we locked down over one case of Delta. And then within a couple of months, we moved from a plan of elimination to nobody's really quite told us what we're happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we've seen a lot of changes. Like we had always been, you know, the, the levels and our plan was to eliminate. And, mm-hmm. but I don't know whether it was political pressure. I mean, it's probably a little bit of everything. But, yeah, a little while ago, weeks ago, the change was made from an elimination strategy to, I guess, living with COVID. Yeah. I, I guess that's what we call it. But we've now moved or we're just about to move to this traffic light system, okay. which is really confusing, <laughs> really, really confusing. And... Yeah, like COVID is here now. Yeah. And that's kind of weird and scary. And the plan for New Zealand is, is vaccinations. That's the first goal, I guess. Mm-hmm. But the current, I believe the current traffic light system works mm. on us all being 90% vaccinated in all okay. regions. Yes. So they don't move to that system until. Yeah, we supposedly get to ninety in all regions. And there's right. a lot of regions in New Zealand. Yeah, okay. And is that is that is that happening quickly? New Zealand is taking up vaccination quickly. It's really quickly in the big urban areas because mm-hmm. it's easy to get to vaccinations and it's easy to get vaccinations around the big urban areas. But in the rural areas and the sort of lower socioeconomic areas, it's been really difficult. There's some vaccine some quite justifiable vaccine hesitancy around and then there's also the fringe element you know yes which kind of blurs one another at the moment the real pushes are to get to those sort of more rural areas and also it's just not been equitable along the way it's been you know if you're Pākehā white and live in an urban area it's been very easy to get vaccinated you just go to your local doctor's surgery or chemist and they'll do it and also it's been in that stratified you know, the elderly people first, the high risk second. Mm-hmm. But if you're somewhere that is poor and rural and only grandma and granddad are eligible for it, mm-hmm. it's a trip in for each group. So now everybody's eligible for it. They've actually opened it up to everyone 16 and over. They're trying to get vaccination buses mm-hmm. or something, mm-hmm. clinics out to the people and get the whole family all done at once. Are there a lot of cases in New Zealand at the moment or still low cases? I mean, again, in comparison, we are a tiny country, but Mm. we've been sitting actually in the triple digits each day. Okay. Oh, right. Okay. The last week. So we're in the high sort of 90s, early months, which for us is unheard of. We haven't Mm. heard of that since the first outbreak. Mm -hmm. And even though we've only had, I think it's 31 deaths, Mm. those have felt really deeply because we've only had 31 deaths. There's a real muddle of like are we gonna live with this you know mm. are we gonna live with people dying that's the what a lot of people are going through at the moment and, and, and a lot of the conversations i've had before this with other people around the world is it's this getting used to the idea of people are going to die and how do we live with that can we live with that and and what's yeah. the acceptable number and it's been a different conversation this time for for me with a lot of people and it's been a real pivot for new zealand it was literally 
like an overnight pivot, but it yeah. was elimination. We're not letting this in. We'll stay locked down. We've got our plan. We'll stick to it. It's the team of five, five million, all of yes, that. Yes. And now it's a lot muddier and, you know, there was a lot of pressure from sort of conservative sides and business that, oh, we need to open up. We need a, mm. we need a concrete plan. And like, you can't really have a concrete plan with something that you can't control. You I know? guess also with like your, 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 you have a big partner next door of Australia. And when Australia kind of gave up on the elimination strategy, then that, I, mean, I, I, I hate to say it, but if you kind of, unless New Zealand's going to be locked down forever. That's right. If Australia's done it, you kind, your hand was kind of forced, I think. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, and it's. And, it's also around getting, there's still a lot of New Zealanders who haven't been able to get home to New Zealand. Mm, right. And there's a lot of pressure there as well. But mm. we've still got MIQ, which is weird because people who get COVID in the community only have to self-isolate. What's so, MIQ, sorry? Um, the managed isolation quarantine. Oh, oh right, I see. Right, okay. I mean, that's, yeah, I can't remember what the exact acronym is, but that's, yeah, cool. when you come into the country, you have to do two weeks. Like the hotel know? quarantine. And it's three grand to do it. So. Yes. Oh, that, yeah, it's like, yeah, Australia had a very similar thing, yes. Okay. And it's really limited. So there's mm. this queue of people trying to get mm. back into the country. And why are we doing that when, if COVID's in the community? Yes. People who get COVID <laughs> only have to self-isolate. They don't have any regulations. They're not no. locked. No, you know, they're not locked yes, up. Yeah, yeah, they're not, they're, yeah, not, yes, yeah. Yes, you, yeah. You're told to self-quarantine, not, yeah, I yeah, see yeah. you're saying. You're not and, enforced. And mm. they get a phone call a day. It's, so you could be anywhere, <laughs> you it's, know. It's, oh, I'd love a phone call a day. That'd be lovely. People yeah. talking, you know, how are you doing? <laughs> oh, I'm doing well, thanks. Can we talk about something else? That'd be lovely. You're not dead, are you? You know? <laughs> I don't think I'm dead. I think I'm fine. Uh, <laughs> yes. Basically what it is, is to make sure that people aren't carking it. You know? Yeah, that's, oh, that's um, awful. So yeah. if you're paying $3,000 and playing this lottery to come in, into the country yeah, and you're seeing people who are here and don't have to pay $3,000 just stay yes. home, it's yeah. very hard. So I think we're watching the end of that, which also changes the the makeup of COVID in New Zealand mm. as well. Mm-hmm. Good sparkling, sparkling champagne COVID brought from overseas. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it sounds like New Zealand's going through a lot of transition at this point, trying to work out where it's, it's going to face in the world and what, what it's going to look like, what its new normal is. It sounds like you're just at the start of that journey. Yeah, and I think everybody else around the world has been negotiating that sooner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, we had temporary elimination that was going to be a thing that we just mm-hmm. all did, team of five million you know, and then it, we'd go back to normal afterwards. Yes. And now there's this new normal and, and you know, there's still a lot of, resi- not resistance, but like, why do we keep having to do this around mm. the daily precautions we take, like wearing masks in public and mm-hmm. reduced people in public places yeah. and things like that. And it's it's like, well, I think this is our new normal for a while. And it sucks. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's there and it's probably going to keep a lot of us from dying you know or at least being really really sick yeah well kath i wish you the best as always and uh, we'll talk again next time excellent i'm very excited to be talking 
to old blighty again i don't mean i don't mean you rose i mean the country that you're in and of <laughs> course you know my nickname <laughs> old, old blighty and uh, and to rose our morgue attendant hello morgue uh, rose how are you hello morgue that was weird <laughs> I don't know what happened there. My brain's it's, it's that's, late. That's also my new nickname. No, so, they've uh, been known on the streets as Madam Death these days. So uh, <laughs> people, people yell at you as you walk past or something. No, someone showed up on their phone one time. It's like this is what I got you on my phone. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> anyway, how are you? How's how's life treating you in the last six months? Not too bad, actually, since we've come out of more or less lockdown with only the minimal of restrictions. It's been things are going back to normal and it's it's really quite comforting to see a bit of normality around the place. Apart from those who are not wearing masks and things. It's all right. Yeah. England, where you are, you're masking up. Is, is it mandated masking? It's mandated masking if you're traveling on public transport. There are some shops, probably smaller shops, who will require you to wear a mask going in. But more or less, it's fairly much back to normal. Still have some people who are who are still quite scared of it because, in comparison to Australia, definitely there's still a high number of people going into hospital and cases, positive mm. cases of COVID. But for some reason, it's not become as big of a deal. Mm. currently although i suspect over the winter months that's going to change yes yeah when you're inside and you have to be close to each other (laughs) push together like cattle it's terrible yeah exactly there's a certain funk in britain there's a a mitigation strategy really it's like the virus is here but you've opened everything up and and you're kind of back to being normal except for mask wearing and covid testing and that sort of stuff i mean is there contact tracing anymore not so much contact tracing didn't really sort of pick off the ground that well so there was a whole thing with the government giving money to their friends for for running contact tracing and all that it was all very dramatic politically but uh sort of uh, the yeah nhs track and trace it was there was an attempt (laughs) <laughs> but it never really took off for everybody because there was there was this whole you you should all get the app and do contact tracing but no one really did much with it but it's 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 not too bad you still get a lot of people i mean as they should on on public transport especially uh wearing mm. masks it's still mandatory mm. and occasionally you get someone who will you know, try and stand as far away from you as possible. But it's all right. I think um, uh, cases are still quite high in terms of people people becoming positive. I think last week about 40,000 cases a day. Wow. A day? Oh, my god. A goodness. day. That's sort yes. of England as a whole. But wow. the amount of people being admitted to hospital is a lot lower. It's slowly mm. creeping up very, very slowly. My, the current hospital I'm at, um, which has sort of designated COVID wards, there's probably about 46 on the wards at the moment. And we are still seeing. So my job at the moment, when we spoke last, I was uh, a, a mortuary assistant. I've, I've yes. sort of taken a break from the mortuary just for oh, a minute. Yep. And I'm now actually based in bereavement and medical examiner services, which oh. is still, it's still death management, but I get mm. more of a broader spectrum of uh, cases in terms of the causes of death, which is actually quite interesting mm. in terms of how many COVID cases we've had. And on in England, you've got what's called a medical certificate of the cause of death. And that is what the doctors, once you pass away, the doctors write on that. You've got your primary cause of death. You've got 1A, 1B and 1C. And those kind of correlate to what's led to what that's Mm -hmm. actually killed you. And then Mm -hmm. you've got your secondary cause of death, which will be 
things uh, sort of like um, diseases you've had, sort of like type 2 diabetes or atrial fibrillation, which if you didn't have, that may have been a survivable incident, but it's mm. because they've had it, unfortunately passed away. But um, we've been seeing more and more COVID being on those medical certificates, which mm. gets recorded with the Registry Office of Births, Deaths and Marriages. We've also had the introduction, been slowly introduced through NHS England over the past, I would say, year or so, the Medical Examiner Services, which becomes statutory law as of April next year. Mm. And that's a sort of it's an independent doctor from the treating team of the patient who's passed away, who goes through the medical notes and chats with the consultants just so they're uh, Everyone is absolutely sure of the cause of death is the most probable mm. cause because not every cause of death is going to be 100% accurate. It's the probability of. Yeah. It's, I mean, honestly, the cause of death is normally your heart stopped. That's going to be, you know, as in that. As well, well you, you, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I do see what you mean, but you that, that can't be sort of no, your, your primary no, no. cause of death. Interestingly, cardiac arrest is not a cause of death. Oh, it's okay. a mode of death, uh... but that can't be your primary cause of death. There has to be a reason why you've had a cardiac arrest. Yes, um, so the Royal College of Pathologists, along with the coroner's service, has actually put out a document which sort of states different causes of death and and what needs to what should be uh, reported to the coroner and what's acceptable for a a medical certificate essentially Mm. but these uh, the medical examiner services come in because it was stated and researched that in sort of the past recent history 20 percent of all deaths in england have been incorrectly recorded oh okay Right. So that person, yeah, that's why they've come in is to sort of scrutinize the cause of death, it, scrutinize the doctors. It, it sounds like it's vampires, isn't it? It's vampires. That, that's what it's, really... a, it's a mixture of vampires and zombies. Vampires. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. In a fictional world, that would be an exciting thing of we've just discovered that a fifth of all deaths aren't what they thought they were. It's actually, it sounds like a Doctor Who villain. It sounds like they've been killing people it with is, a special yeah. thing. <gasps> and. <Gosh. laughs> And there's like a pathologist <laughs> sitting somewhere going, I've worked it out. And like a Dalek comes in going, you will be exterminated. And that's how the episode starts. So that, and the doctor's like, oh. there's some really evil ploy behind as to why these people are being correctly yeah. recorded for their death and, um, it creates a whole regime. I'd be, yeah. I'd, I'd be up for writing that. <laughs> I'm assuming it's just that humans are a little bit rubbish at this sort of stuff. That's what it comes down to, writing information. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's it's just a separate person to come in and have a look at the whole picture and yeah. sort of scrutinise it as a as on a fresh perspective, essentially, it, which has been really helpful. So it says here that Mr. Bloggs died because of a, uh, a button-up pumpkin up the bottom. I don't see this button up pumpkin. I think you made a mistake. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. I had a few, I had a few beers. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, it was actually an aubergine. It was an aubergine. <laughs> well, well, that, that, that makes the emoji make much more sense then. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's an aubergine, isn't it? Anyway. Was that yeah. A, yeah. See, there you go. You brought it up. You brought it up, Rose. I'm not the bad person here. <laughs> oh, what's my mum going to think? She listens to this probably. <laughs> So it's really just getting people to check it and making sure that it's correct, whatever the, the medical reason of death is actually what killed it. Because that's useful because long-term trends. <laughs> it is, yeah. Long-term trends. If you want to look back and say, oh, heart 
heart disease Failure. is increasing or yeah. diabetes is increasing or something like that, then you want to have a, yeah. a long percent You want accurate figures. Yes. Yeah, you want accurate figures on, on what sort of the most, I was going to say most popular, the, the most... Um, <laughs> The what? most popular cause of death. No, that the most um, <laughs> recorded causes of death are, and, and uh, anthropologically speaking, it's very, very interesting to look at in sort of mm. years to come, being like, yep. well, that generation had more um, sort of liver cirrhosis than this generation, mm. and, and mm. exactly why. Which actually brings me on to very nicely segued into a very, very good point on mm. COVID. Mm. Sort of, we're mm. speaking six months down the track from where we were last speaking, and being around the medical examiner services, it's been very interesting to see the level of liver diseases we're seeing as a result of people drinking during the lockdown. Oh, wow. Okay. So you're stuck at home, you're watching Netflix and drinking. But it's also people being affected financially, um, sort of personally, a lot of people, a lot of people, Mm. especially in England, because there is an entire drinking culture. So you may not see these figures in other countries based on based on drinking culture. A lot of people in England have been turning to drink as a um, as a source, which is kind of it's really, really sad because you've seen Mm. a lot of relationships break down. You've Mm. seen people lose their jobs. So they just they drink and they drink and they drink. And I've Mm. been you know i've had these conversations with families of loved ones who have passed away and they do say you know it's it's not we're not surprised because he was drinking a lot which then the amount you're drinking is going to affect your liver mm-hmm. and it affects your kidneys and you end up with sort of renal failure diseases and and a lot of fatty alcoholic liver diseases which essentially if you don't look after yourself which a lot of people haven't and that's a difficult mm. conversation to have with families to say the reason they've they've got to this point is because they were not looking after themselves mm-hmm. and they end up with multi-organ failure and they mm. die is that separate to covid or that's just a, a comorbidity with covid a comorbidity so these people don't you don't see them having covid on their death certificates what whatsoever it's just as oh. a and we're seeing a lot more of this lately and i mm. did mortality and morbidity research thing with a couple of our liver consultants recently and we're going through they they usually if if it's called an mdt which the consultants will go through their different variety of deaths over the last say x amount of months and they go through the cases Mm. to sort of scrutinize and research and figure out what they can do better etc and i was doing this with one of the liver experts last week for hepatology and they gave me probably about 15 names to look up their causes of death for their records and for their meetings Mm -hmm. and it was it was I would say about 80% of those 15 people had alcohol and liver and renal failure on their certificates that's that's awful that's really really bad yeah that's sort of the knock-on effect Mm. of covid as a Mm. result of the the pandemic and the financial crisis and and people losing relationships and that kind of thing it's not so much covid which is the problem anymore yes it's obviously still a high priority that we're looking at and there's still a lot of covid on certificates or long-term COVID Mm. if they're not sort of positive within the last 28 days. But it is all these diseases we're seeing which are self-inflicted. You see a lot of increase in suicides as well, which is unfortunate. And a lot of those people will end up with toxicology reports of alcohol levels to the the limit where it causes statistically either coma or death. Um, Sort of 1A will be, you know, self-inflicted trauma or that mm. kind of thing yeah. uh, which i suppose you know drinking is self-harm 
Mm, if you look yeah. at it in a medical point of view anyway. But it's all these, you see a lot of diseases which haven't been properly diagnosed as well, which people mm. are dying of. I think cancer has been a massive one, especially in the UK. You've had something like over a million elective surgeries, which have mm. been sort of pushed back however oh, many years or months, oh, yes. which they're still trying to get to. So it has, it's had a massive, massive knock-on effect. COVID's had a massive knock-on effect without COVID actually being the key factor medically yes if that makes sense yeah, yeah. but it's like i mean it, you see it all around the world i mean not just with human beings but in supply chains and that sort of stuff the covid has led to you know, things not being able to travel around the world and and, and why yeah. I, why i mention it yeah, so breakdown of our global supply chains and why i mention that is it makes sense that there's also knock-on effects for human health because uh everything's sort of changed and everyone's trying to survive the best way you can and some people self-medicate in inverted commas mm. and uh, that leads to their actual own death Ugh, terrible it's really sad yeah it's awful it's really really <laughs> awful but unfortunately because of what's happened there's not a lot you can do because it is mm. self-inflicted there's really you're sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place really mm. you know those who have lost virtually everything over the pandemic i sort of don't blame them really because there's not much oh, they can yeah. do there's not, there's no blame, of course, if someone takes their mm. life, but it's, but it's definitely, yeah, it's very, it's sad that it led to that situation that they, that they felt there was no way out. That's really sad. Um, yeah. Oh, oh dear. Yeah. Oh, so sorry to bring the mood. No, 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 no it's fine. We had, we had a fun thing about um, pumpkins in the bottom, and now we're, it's fine. Suicide. <laughs> it's a roller coaster ride. That's what it's all about here. Happy Halloween. Happy <laughs> Halloween. It's Halloween as as we as we recording this. So. Yeah, uh, look, Rose, thank you very much for enlightening us about what's going on in Britain. And congratulations, I guess, on your on your job increase, sideways stepping, whatever whatever you can say about your new role. It's exciting. Thank you very much. Thank you. It is very exciting. It's just sort of death management from a different perspective, which is still very interesting. But yeah. less of handling dead bodies, more of the sort of analytical cause of death side, which is still very interesting so yeah. i've got something to talk about here anyway <laughs> <laughs> fantastic well then we'll get you back on in the future i'm sure brilliant we'll <laughs> see what job i'm doing next <laughs> excellent thanks rose thanks greg i return once again to north american continent and the united states to talk to jess and gabby hello jess and gabby hey hey howdy <laughs> oh, well, howdy so how is six months ago you were uh, slumming it in the seattle region and right, uh, the, right. the the pacific northwest so how is seattle in the pacific northwest still great we hear but we have since moved from seattle to chicago what you just hang on so you've gone from you've gone from the caribbean then you trekked your way through the covid <laughs> and into seattle and now you've moved again you can't be yeah. stopped. We can't be stopped. We may even move one more time. Yeah. <laughs> At least once in our life. <laughs> At least once more in our life. That's right. That's it, though. After that, we're cutting it off. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Gabby has started her clinical rotations. Mm -hmm. So as you know, she's been doing med school. And so for this phase, for the, this two-year period, she's actually at hospitals, mm -hmm. uh, experiencing a variety of different specialties to help yes. you decide what you want to focus on yep. long term. And, and still doing a lot of COVID tests. So, still, you know. <laughs> oh no, still yeah. tickling brains. Oh. Actually, yeah. Fortunately for pediatrics, which is the one I was just in, we only go into like the soft, the soft palate. So you don't okay. have to do the full all the way back, but 
Thank goodness. You know, she'd still try and like gag and throw up on you. So. You've moved to Chicago. You moved to the Windy City. How's yes. Chicago faring during the, well, COVID's not done in the United States, though sometimes it seems not to, done. they seem, the, the media seems to say it is. I don't feel it is. It feels like no. it's still very much there. It's not completely done. And we've, we've hit those crazy milestones. I read the other day, there have been more COVID deaths since COVID started in the United States than there were AIDS deaths during the entire 40 years. Mm. And yeah. So it is, it is certainly still at a scale that, that seems crazy and it's still definitely impacting lives. My work is still more or less remote. They're starting to get to the phase where they're allowing people to come into the office part-time, but the expectation is that people, if they're doing that, they're showing that they've got negative COVID tests, Mm -hmm. they're arriving in masks, Mm -hmm. uh, and they're, they're working in masks. Yeah. So all of that's still going on. Yeah. I just got our, my third booster shot. Well, my first booster shot. And so. Congratulations. That's That's exciting. It is exciting. It's kind of a funky feeling because, you know, other countries have not even gotten yeah. their first mm. shots and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So the access is definitely inequitable. But as someone who's like doing these COVID tests on kiddos, um, it's nice to have mm. a little bit extra, <laughs> extra juice for uh, fighting. Yeah. But yeah, it is. It's definitely different. Like in, um, at least in the clinic, you know, with the kids, like nowadays they're getting sent home from everything from school. They're extra like on edge. So There'll be a kid who, you know, didn't, didn't poop, like mm-hmm. chose not to poop, which is a thing that happens when like you're six or seven and you go to school. It's very scary. <laughs> yes. Anyway, he had a bellyache, didn't poop and because he didn't poop and then he got sent home and, or, and then sent to the doctor's office to get a negative test to show right. that he was negative. Oh, okay. And that was just really, I found that really silly. It was like, oh God. Is COVID yeah. ever poop related? I mean, has ever had no? Just that he had a bellyache, so like oh, okay. we were like, well, it's presenting in different ways, and uh, we don't okay. know. It's sure. like becoming. It's just like it seems just like a thing that people are having to do now. It's like okay, check the box. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's relatively reluctant. Yeah. Can I just say that 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 kid needs to learn to always poop on the boss's dime? It's very important. Right. Don't poop I at home. Agree. Yeah, use someone else's toilet paper. <laughs> that's, that's right. Yeah, it's, it's a life lesson, kids. Take it from take it from Unky Gregoire. Don't <laughs> don't poop on your own time. You got you got sleeping and eating and having fun to do. Right. Ha- like just you got to poop at work. Yeah, poop at work. That should be the takeaway here. <laughs> <laughs> if COVID taught us anything. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it has been crazy. I've with with my own work, I've now had a couple of occasions where I've I've flown to other cities, and yeah. that that has been an insane experience. So I feel like uh, I feel like a lot of the way things get portrayed in news media in the states is somewhat sensationalist in the sense of like they need to make us something sound like an exciting crisis for to keep eyeballs on the screen, but. Mm. Mm-hmm. I've had like the weirdest flight experiences during this time. And I think it's like contributed, like attributed to like people being stressed out or, or mm. these kind of conflicts about masking. Uh, I was on the first flight I've ever been on where somebody rebelled and tried to use a vape pen in the bathroom <laughs> and then tried to disarm the smoke detector. Oh, no. And, and then they all kind of passive aggressively came on the, on the intercom being like, uh, just a reminder, please no smoking vape pens in the bathrooms and no disarming <laughs> the alarms. It was like, I think that commotion kind of 
<laughs> not that we were all wanting to do that, but I no, think no. that definitely persuaded us that we did we don't want to do that now. But mm-hmm. thank you for the reminder. But yeah, I, there there were people sitting next. Uh, this was on a trip to Florida of all places mm-hmm. too. Couple sitting next to me that was like that was talking about how crazy backwards the United States is for not just trying these ivermectin experiments and oh, and, and oh like, no. It was just like, I don't, I'll just watch my yeah. movie and, and hope that you go away. <laughs> oh, that would be, yeah, uh, that would drive me crazy. Did you just nod and smile and, and just kind of go, oh, that's it. how interesting. I, I just ignored them. I, oh, I, I, okay. I, would not, I would not have that amount of self-control. I'd be like, tell me more about what you know about ivermectin. Yeah. <laughs> isn't, it a, isn't it a horse? It's like a horse medicine. Yeah. It's a, you can use it. You can use it in people, but okay. it's like for parasites, like specifically. Yeah. It's not a nice drug. Like it's not. <laughs> not all the kids. The kids aren't like basic yeah, you know basing. If kids aren't abusing it, you know you shouldn't be as an adult either. <laughs> and the science yeah. literacy challenge in the United States is such that, like, in the debate that started, is like people people were saying, "Well, you can't take that. That's like a horse dewormer." And um, <laughs> which is true. Which is true. Right. And then the people said, "Wait a minute. You said this is a horse dewormer, but it's." been used in people mm. checkmate and, and then they're like that's that's they feel is the end of the conversation yep. it's like well no it's like to gabby's point it's an anti-parasite so it's yep. even even yes yeah. if it can be used in people it doesn't mean it actually solves the problem that you're saying it does yeah, yeah. if anything it's just like really depressing to see how much how little like scientific literacy we have. Yep. I love the fact that people like, I will not take a vaccine that the smartest people on the planet have been working on really hard to bring it to, right. to, to, to market as fast as we can and as safely as we can. But don't worry. I am going to trust this horse to wormer. It's such a oh weird, my God. like, it's... Oh, it's like even more bananas because nowadays, you know, like in the clinics, I'll ask, Oh, well, especially with kids who can't, previously couldn't get vaccinated until like a week or two ago when Pfizer said, okay, yeah, you're cool for five and up, but they will get like all of their other vaccines, like the live vaccines, mm. the, the attenuated ones, like they'll get all of their, their, they'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. My kid got all of the right vaccines up until now. And then you get to like a flu shot and you get to like, the, like the COVID vaccine. They're like, Mm-mm, no, we're not into that. I'm like you literally just poked your kid four <laughs> times. Yep. It's yeah. Yeah. But you don't want to get like what in the what like like how what <laughs> why it's how a, are you going to justify this? Is your life impacted? I mean obviously you masks and things like that but I, I, right. do you feel that you're getting back to any sort of normality or or you or do you have a sense of what the new normal is, will be for the next 2 years or so? 10 years, God help us. <laughs> I think yeah, I think I I think I kind of see how it's going to be. I think masks are here to stay, like maybe hopefully in the way that uh, like other Asian countries have already been using them mm. in the sense that if you have a cold, if you have a zit, if you, you know, just don't want to show the bottom of your face, I think people <laughs> will still use them. But I think in particular, if you just have a cold, like I think, I think that's useful, but I still mm. think people will keep them under their nose like idiots. Where, where like people have shaken out to be is kind of where they're going to be. Yeah. Like. Yeah. For the next couple of years, you know, I agree with that. I, I think it's kind of like mask wearing will, will probably continue post COVID. Right. I think it's probably going to be in that form of the same way that everybody washes their hands. 
Like yeah. people wash their hands. Right. They may not sing the full happy birthday song every time they do it. <laughs> kind of, but it's like if something. if it's good enough, like like or if it's yeah. just a, a a a semblance of doing the behavior, it'll probably have a positive benefit yeah. long term. So yeah. I'm not sure there they are like I know there's a lot of venues for concerts and whatnot that are showing, you know, they're having people show proof of vaccination and proof mm-hmm. of negative testing and whatnot. I don't know if that would continue. Mm. We'll see. Like, Mm. that's the thing that I'm like, I think that's a lot of potentially like a lot of work for people who are putting on these concerts. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. I'm not, it'd be interesting to talk to like an event planner these days and see. Yeah. COVID's this weird thing you got to take and you got to tick all the boxes and you got to pass you got to tell the government what you're doing in our case. You'll say, we're having this event and the government's like, Hey, thanks. They, they put it in a database somewhere. And it's just so that something goes wrong. They can go find everyone. And we have, I don't know if you have, we have QR codes everywhere. So you, you check yeah. in with an app and then you, yeah. and so if, if something goes horribly wrong, then they can, they can hunt you down then as well and say, you, Oh, we, no, we don't, we don't, that. we don't really have that. We just yeah. have menus on QR codes yeah. more and more, which is fine. Oh, right. <laughs> with eating than with, with tracing. Yeah. Tracing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> No, this is this is like as you go into a venue, you you put your phone up yeah. to it and and it just it, it logs you in. So if you're if, if something has if basically they say oh yeah we had a COVID case there, it'll just it automatically ping you and tell you hey by the way go get it. You obviously felt safe enough and happy enough to move states and mm. find it, find a new place to live and and so that's oh, yeah. so obviously you're not like oh my goodness we're hiding. It's it's like your your life is continuing. Life's continuing. We we were driving through at that time several COVID hotspots. Oh yeah, uh, mm. so, because we went from Washington through Idaho, Montana, wow. South Dakota, Wyoming. At that point in time, some of those states were yeah. famous for having we got a lot of dirty anti anti masking rallies. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we were fortunately we were it was summer bit. and we could mostly not be masked and we were outside. So yeah. we were just by ourselves in a car. There was something very Hitchcockian though. Oh. One time where we, <laughs> it was in South Dakota. We went into this diner and yeah. we had masks and like looking around, it was a packed diner and like nobody was masked. Oh, wow. And it was that, that subtlety, like there was like this feeling, I had this feeling of horror kind of pass over me, but like, <laughs> I, like in processing it, like if you had seen that same room 15 years ago, you just been, mm. oh, it's a nice country mm. diner in mm. the United States. But like seeing no masks anywhere, it was like, ah, was that, <laughs> that was the bread place. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, they didn't eat good bread anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that extra COVID they'd be adding to it. It really, about it. <laughs> it ruins, it ruins the flavor or the extra COVID. That's the problem. Yeah. Or they thing. gave us some crappy bread. I don't mean, you know, yeah, one of the two. Out of like, <laughs> you know, sir, of your kind here. I don't know how to do the accent. Kind of. They might have done that. <laughs> Well, thank you much for chatting to us today. Thanks for chatting with us. Good to see you. Eloise. That's how I'm going to start this. There it is. We're talking to Eloise. (laughs) Hello. Hi, Greg. (laughs) Sorry, I've been talking to a lot of people and I've just reached, I've reached a stage at this point. It's very good to see you. It's very good to see you. So we're back for the six months uh, catch up. You are in Brisbane, I the am. mighty city of Brisbane on the east coast of Australia. How's it all going? Oh, it's going fine. <laughs> I <laughs> guess <laughs> fine. Fine question mark. Oh, well, it, why the hesitation of fine? Well, Everything- look, 
Actually, I queued up something because I was thinking about the last time we had a chat Mm -hmm. and you asked me last time, where do you think we'll be in six months? And I just wanted to play what I said. Okay. All right. Sure. We'll discuss what I said. (laughs) I'm hoping with the vaccine rollout, we won't need to talk again in six months. Maybe a year's time is a good, is a good uh, timeframe. So yeah, I'm to, I just, I really want to go and see Hamilton in July. Just like, <laughs> okay. So, so that's what I said six months ago. Mm-hmm. So yeah, let's just take a little trip back in time. Just one moment. Let's just go back in time for a second in this uh, completely off-brand, non-affiliated time yes. machine. Excellent. Yep. Okay. All right. Hey, look, there's past Eloise. Get her. Oh, what's <laughs> going on? Oh, what are you doing? This is for beef. So freaking uh, you and your optimism. You think you're going to see Hamilton? You're not going to see Hamilton. (laughs) I think it's back on, though. I think you can see it in Sydney. Yeah, I know you can, but my tickets are long gone. Oh, oh, no. No, so what happened was I was supposed to see it in July. I had tickets four weeks after the Delta variant outbreak in Sydney oh, no, occurred. So no. every, everything got shut down. Every, mm-hmm. All flights were cancelled. I got my money back, which was all good. Excellent. All good. I mean, it was... Mortgaging your house otherwise. <clears throat> <I> mean, <good laughs> <Yeah. Lord. laughs> it was stressful for the meantime about thinking I was, wasn't going to get the money back, but I did in the mm. end. But yes, it was like, it was literally the day after we last spoke mm-hmm. that the Delta variant suddenly became a thing in the media about what was happening mm-hmm. in India. And I remember looking at that and thinking about <laughs> our conversation the day before oh, and going, oh, no, that's not good. <laughs> I just like to point out that correlation doesn't equal causation. That's no. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my fault. <laughs> that's not, no, we, didn't, we didn't do this. We didn't do this, everyone. You've got to believe us. No. So I've spent the last six months. Look, obviously, Queensland has fared pretty well. Like, mm. we shut our borders to everyone once again. Um, we've only had a couple of, like, very short, sharp lockdowns here or there. So it it's just like this frustration of watching the rising case numbers in other states. A lot of people could argue that certain things happened in New South Wales that made it not great. <laughs> um, like maybe mm. thinking about locking down sooner and harder than what they did. <laughs> but, yeah. then, but then you had the Victorian outbreak a few weeks later where they decided to lock down for seven days and mm. then that carried on for 10 weeks and we they're still getting 1200 cases a day yeah and i know that in comparison to other countries like 2000 to you know 1500 to 2000 cases a day doesn't seem like a lot as mm. i was thinking yep. The, the four Yorkshiremen. Oh, 2,000 cases a luxury. I used luxury. to dream about 2,000 cases a day. <laughs> yes. But in Australia, yeah. 2,000 is a lot to us. Yeah, that's true. And well, we're very lucky that we've had, having this case now where we have a, I think we've just hit 80% for double back 16 years and older. So it means that, yes, you you can still get sick from it, obviously, but the chances of death, if you're vaccinated, is is lower. Much, much, Mm -hmm. much, much, much lower. 
So, yeah, I mean, I've just been so angry with how shambolic our uh, vaccine rollout has been because mm. uh, when it first occurred, when we was first talking about it, it was still, oh, we had these tiers in place. So tier 1A are the important people and tier 1B are the slightly also more important <laughs> people and then everyone else is in tier B or C and then we'll tell you when to get it. And then mm. all of a sudden it was like, just throw the tears out everyone yeah. go get your run, vaccine whenever run. You can. run run as fast as you can to the vaccine center yeah. i think the delta variant just scared the living crap out of everyone and and they just went go just get it get it into your arm as hard as you can as fast yeah. as you can not the delta variant get the vaccine as fast as you can and they also had a lot more they went from having a few numbers to enough now that everyone in australia can get it if you want it in yeah. australia you can get it yes so, and well, you that should was the bloody thing. get it for a, uh, for a, for a long time we didn't have enough vaccines and i was very torn about whether or not like i go and get it because i wasn't in the vulnerable category but then that but then the delta variant was like oh that's killing people in their 20s it's mm. like well i'm just going to go get it then so yeah. i'm fully vaccinated hooray so mm-hmm. is my husband as soon as the it's approved five to 12 year olds i'm mm. aiden off you go to the it's <laughs> <laughs> blow dart Come here. <laughs> While <laughs> so he that's, sleeps. That, that's my son. So, yeah, we'll, we'll right. be taking him. Okay. Like, yeah. So, like, we're, we're still just concerned about our kids, obviously, mm. because it's it's not yet approved for them. It's certainly not approved for under five. So I, I don't know what to do about my daughter yet, other than mm. be very scared for her. And I know that it's people keep saying, okay, well, it doesn't really affect kids as much. It doesn't Mm. make them as sick, but there's still the possibility that they could get really ill. And Mm -hmm. like, I know as soon as we open our borders uh, and Queensland is opening the borders to other states and international travel in the next couple of weeks. In December, I've heard, mid-December. Yeah. Yeah. So mid-December is when it's like, fully open it's like mm. hey everyone can come in now yeah. um lick I'm who like, you like just li- have a <laughs> have a lick off everyone <laughs> i'm just like my kids are going to get it i i just there's no stopping this and i'm so i don't know how to really describe how scared i am about that mm. because i don't know what that means like sick kids is you know really bad because there's a lot of things you can't do to help them especially when it's a virus especially this virus when there's no particular cure like i know Mm -hmm. that they're talking about certain medications Mm -hmm. but will that be approved for children i don't know so i've just been i've unfortunately been a bundle of stress in the last six months like from when we last spoke where i was slightly confident and optimistic it's Mm. that's really gone downhill even with me being fully vaccinated like i just I, I don't know what to do. I'm I'm wearing a mask still constantly when I go right. out. Like I haven't yeah. the last couple of days because it's admittedly because it started getting really hot. I've not worn it while I've been outside, which mm. the rule is you don't have to wear it when you're outside outside and can socially distance, but you still have to when you're inside. But I just find it so frustrating that a lot of people have just decided, nah, I don't want to do that anymore. And, uh, you know, I'm over it, yeah. <laughs> which seems to be the the attitude with a lot of people is either they're, they're over wearing masks, which is fair enough because it's been a long time, or the really frustrating one of people who don't want to get vaccinated for various reasons, mm. putting people who can't get vaccinated in danger. Like I have a friend who has a severe heart condition who doesn't know if he can get the vaccine yet or not because he hasn't been able to see his doctor yet. He mm-hmm. has an appointment like very shortly, I think. 
But there's a possibility if he gets the vaccine, he could die from the vaccine. Yeah. But he will also certainly die from COVID, which yeah. is yeah. really scary. And it's so unfair that I then will know other people who are just like, oh, I don't think enough research has been done. It's yeah. like, yeah. it's maddening. <laughs> yeah. And, and and the answer is it has been done. And yeah, we just figured Very out. thoroughly. Yeah. And the people, <laughs> it's like people who go, we couldn't have gone to the moon because I can't possibly work out how we got to the moon. Like, there are smarter people than you. <laughs> and I get very angry. Um, you, there was the super spreader protest in Melbourne of, where they were protesting <laughs> yeah. lockdowns and there was like man babies holding signs saying my body, my choice, which <laughs> they have fundamentally yeah. misunderstood what yeah. that saying means yeah. Yeah. because yeah. it is not your body, your choice in this case. It's yeah. your body, get sick, pass it on to everyone else that, without yeah. their permission. <laughs> That's if it's your body, your choice, you can get the disease, but then we have to put you into a hermetically sealed bubble until you're not sick anymore. There you yeah. go. <laughs> it's, it's like, yeah, because a woman getting pregnant doesn't pass on to other people. Like women hanging out with other people won't suddenly get other women pregnant. I don't think no. that's how it works. I'm not a father, so I can't, <laughs> I can't say that's not how it works, but I don't think the medical Look, uh, I can guarantee mm. I've been pregnant twice mm. and, uh, and I was around a lot of people while mm. I was pregnant and mm. they didn't get pregnant. So no, None of them? Not, no, none of them. No, no, okay. none of them. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough then. Okay, that's that's a one data point. That's what I'm saying. It's only one yeah. data point there. I mean, uh, you know, it could be a bit biased, but we'll, you know, we'll have to do some more research. Eloise, thank you very much for sharing your experiences. I'm very sorry to hear that you're stressed out. And uh, <laughs> when we chat to you again, let's not make any promises the next no, six months. No, no promises. So I'm not going to try and see Hamilton. Like, <laughs> it's on Disney Plus. It's fine. <laughs> thank you very much, Eloise. And we will see you in the future. Ah, oh, thank you, Greg. Thank goodness I get to talk to someone from the correct hemisphere once again, the wonderful Southern Hemisphere. Yes, I am hemisphere-phobic. No, I'm a hemisphere... Thick. Supremacist, maybe? I don't know. Look, no. Yes. No, no, no. Okay, we, we won't call that. Yes, I don't, anyway, the Southern Hemisphere is the best hemisphere, and uh, that must mean we're talking to not an Australian for once. We're talking to Tara from South Africa. Hello, Tara. Hello, Greg. How are you? Good, thank you. Good, thank you. And the last time we chatted, uh, you were you just been vaccinated, I do believe. You were vaccinated. Was, not was, quite. Not quite. Oh, they hadn't been vaccinated at that point. No. Oh, not goodness yet. me. Yeah, no, I hadn't been vaccinated at that point yet, but I have been vaccinated now. Oh, congratulations. Not That's good. something that I thought was going to happen this year, but yeah, we managed to, they rolled out the Pfizer vaccines to our age group in about July. So mm-hmm. my husband and I both managed to toddle off and get that done. So we're both, both now fully vaccinated. Which is Fantastic. Yes, excellent. That is, that is very good news. Yeah. Yes. So how's it been going in South Africa? Well, South Africa's been through the ringer in the last six months. Well, not the whole of South Africa, but this province in particular. I don't know if it made the news on your part of the world, but there were some pretty scary riots and protests here in yes. July, August. So yeah, we didn't, fortunately, we didn't get caught up in it directly. We were actually out, away from home that week period of time. Yeah, it was very, very scary. They locked down the city and we had people who were patrolling and mm. yeah, a lot of it stems from, from COVID and frustrations with COVID. Multiple lockdowns. I think just after we 
well, when we spoke last, we were sort of at the bottom of our dip on our graph. We have very low numbers of cases, very low numbers of deaths and so on. And, and I think I remember yes. saying to you that we're about to kick off again into a fourth wave, which mm-hmm. we subsequently did, the third wave. Mm-hmm. I've lost count. Yes. Um, and yeah, it's exactly what happened. And it, it was quite scary. It took off very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And the numbers climbed incredibly high, high, much higher than any of the previous sort of mm. waves, if you want to call them that. Yeah. So we went back into some variety of lockdown. Mm-hmm. We haven't been locked down hard like we were 18 months ago, beginning of this whole nonsense. <laughs> but schools had limited sports fixtures and bottle stores are closed again. That seems mm-hmm. to be the litmus test for how serious it is, is that whether or not they close bottle yes. stores. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not just the bottle stores that they close here. So restaurants are not allowed to serve alcohol if they're if they're allowed to be open, you know, off what we call shabines, like a local drinking pubs type thing are not allowed to serve alcohol. And that really does have a big impact on the number of alcohol related health emergencies, you know, drinking and driving and Mm. people beating each other up and all that kind of thing, which if you can relieve any pressure you can relieve on the medical system Mm -hmm. is a good thing. So I think that's more why they do it. Yeah, so we went through all of that and the numbers have come right down again, back down to almost practically nothing. It is interesting to see, though, the effect that the vaccinations have had. We we don't have a lot of our population fully vaccinated, only about 17 or 18%. So, uh, 17. So, one seven. Oh, 17. my goodness. Okay. Right. Yeah. Sorry. That, that's very, very low. <laughs> There's yes. a lot of vaccine hesitancy here. Wow. Um, and I'm not quite sure why. We have the J&J and the Pfizer vaccines available to us here. Those are the only two. I think they're talking about AstraZeneca, but I'm not sure at the moment. Yeah, so there's a lot of hesitancy, and I, I really just don't know why. They, mm. Yeah, <laughs> don't know the answer. Seems crazy to me. Some of the people that you that I've that I've come across that are hesitant are not the kind of people that I would have thought. You know, they're not died in the wool conspiracy theorists. They're mm-hmm. sort of normal people, quote unquote. Mm. They're just, oh no, we don't need to get it. Oh, it's just the flu, and yeah. you know, and, uh, it's, it's just the flu. Yes. Yeah. So I said I, I need to get more comfortable with making other people uncomfortable and go and fetch my mask and put it on. So, oh, so, sorry, I'm going to wear this now because you're not vaccinated and I do not wish to expose myself. <laughs> Don't really care if you're offended or not. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely not. I mean, you have to look after yourself as well. It's very important. Exactly, exactly. And, yeah. uh, so, and, and a mask is a personal choice. So that's... Uh, well... Yeah. yeah. You, you can exactly. put, what I mean is you can put it on. So it's not... Yes, not, exactly, exactly. You're not hurting yeah. them. In fact, you're helping them. Yeah, we we still have mask mandates here, even if you're vaccinated. So if you're out in public, you still have to wear them. So if you're going to do your grocery shopping or whatever, you still wear a mask. We're still very careful with like taking our kids anywhere. I try as hard as I can not to take them to like, the shops with us. We we avoid going to places where they're going to be larger groups of people, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So mm. we've lost, we've missed out on some stuff. You know, you miss out on going to the beach or going to the aquarium or you know, they leading up to Christmas now, there's all the sort of Christmas markets are starting to happen and yeah. pantomimes and all of that kind of thing. And it's just as much as I would love to take them, I just don't feel comfortable doing it. And people sort of look at you weirdly like, oh, you know, it's not a big deal. Just take them. It's like, well, well it's kind of a big deal. Yes. <laughs> to me, chil- it's a big deal. Are your children old enough to be vaccinated? Not yet. My eldest is going to be eight at the end of this month, actually, ah, at the end of okay. November. Sure. Um, my youngest is only five. So even if 
they do roll out, I think they've rolled it out in the States, the vaccine for ages five and up, 12 and up at the moment here as well. Right. And you don't need parental consent, which is an interesting spin on things. You just need to sort of show up with your ID and and you can get vaccinated, which I I think is great. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but but you wouldn't. Yeah, it's a a choice that a a child can make. Yeah. Well, a 12 year old, you know. Yes, that's well. Yes, I mean that, but yes, as in that's I, I'm I'm intrigued mm. by that. I, 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 yeah, yeah. I'm not against it. I guess I'm just it's just in, interesting. <laughs> but yeah, the the younger kids here can't get vaccinated. So it's been a very interesting six months. The the only well, the very sad thing that happened for me personally was that my mum and dad both contracted COVID. Oh my goodness! And my mum unfortunately passed away. Oh, at that's the end of July. Oh, Tara, I am. Oh, yeah. I am. It is. <laughs> That is, that's, I, I, I have no words. I am so sorry. That's. Yeah. Uh, so it was a big shock, obviously. She messaged us sort of mid-July to say that she tested positive. She was a pharmacist. So right. she was a frontline health worker. She was oh. vaccinated, fully vaccinated. Right. But being based in Zimbabwe, she and my dad were both received the Sinovac, the Chinese variant of the vaccine, which from various studies has not been shown to be if very effective to start with and has quite a steep drop off in the oh, efficacy. Right. Yeah. I don't really know what else to say about it. It's no, awful. What, no, of um, course. No, that's yes. Um, I, I, yeah. No, no, it's fair <laughs> I enough. Dropped, I, my sister and I were both really lucky that we were able to sort of drop everything, right. get ourselves tested because you obviously need the COVID test in order to travel and flew up to Harare to be with my dad. I ended up staying there for about three weeks and making sure that he was recovered and getting back on his feet and that kind of thing. So yeah, it was a, it's been a really shit six months. Which I, to say the least. To say the least. Yeah. It's, yeah, the fact fact she's a frontline worker, she was doing her best for people and, and was unfortunately, uh, uh, look, I'm sure all our listeners extend their their best wishes. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. It's it's not something that anyone wishes on anyone else. I'm so sorry. No, to of hear course. That. Uh, and it's and it's you know it brings home to you that this is not just the flu. You get these people who sort of say, "Oh, it'll be fine," and if I get it, it'll be fine. It's not the end of the world. And it's like, well, for some people, it is in a very literal sense of like they will lose their lives and they will die. And for all those people that are left behind, like you now have to pick up and carry on without your mum or your dad or your child or some other family member that you know when it could easily, so easily have been prevented. And I think that's the very frustrating thing for me. But yeah. The good news is that my dad is doing well. He spent a week in the ICU in the hospital. He received nasal oxygen and whatnot, Mm. but he wasn't ever ventilated, which is, Uh, thank goodness. (laughs) Very weak. And as far as I can tell, he's probably never going to recover his lung, full lung function. So, yeah, it's the lingering effects, the long-term effects, so they're not to be messed with. it can it can strike yeah. you down as you said they your your parents were vaccinated <clears throat> and so. so quickly yes so quickly i think it was two weeks between her messaging us to say that she had tested positive to when she passed away goodness so, me that's yeah i am oh, yeah i am without words yeah <laughs> uh, but it's it's Thanks. absolutely right it's it's i hope I, I just hope people take it seriously i mean i'm sure i know people are taking it seriously but in this new normal inverted commas 
I hope yeah. you continue to take it seriously because it's not gone, no matter what the TV no, tells No, it's us. not. And and people keep on saying, well, we're going to do X, Y, and Z after COVID. And I keep on saying, this is not, there is no after COVID. This is mm. something that becomes what we live with. It becomes mm. a background disease that is always there, like bird flu or swine flu or the flu, full stop, you know. Mm. Mm. The only way that you can get back to having it not be such a big deal is to go and get vaccinated. Absolutely. (laughs) This is the only way. And I wanted to say earlier when I was talking about, so I I get a little email daily that sort of gives a a summary of the South African, the numbers of cases and the number of vaccines and blah, 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 blah. And you can see in this last wave, even though we've only had about 17 or 18% of the, the population vaccinated, there's a definite gap between the number of cases and the number of deaths, mm-hmm. where all previous waves, those two lines have been one on top of the other. Number of cases is almost equal proportionally to the number of deaths. Right. You know, the, yeah. the one death follows, rate. yeah. Yeah, one follows the other. And now, and if you look everywhere in the world, everywhere that's got a high vaccine rate, cases may go up, but the death rate doesn't. And yes. I think that that's incredibly important to take note of. In those places, yeah, you'll get sick and you might have to stay home and in rare cases you may need to be hospitalized, but you'll get sick, you'll feel crappy for a few days, and then you will recover mm-hmm. provided you've been vaccinated. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. So get vaccinated for yourself. Yes, for your don't get vaccinated, please, so and... we can get back to this not being such a big deal. <laughs> That's, yes, right, so we can have a happier conversation in the future. Yeah. In six months' time. Yeah, Tara, thank you for sharing your story. I, I realize that was incredibly hard, and, great. And, and I really do appreciate it. And as I said before, I'm sure our listeners, all our thoughts are with you and your family in this time. Thank you. And, thank you. Uh, yeah. and uh, we wish you the best uh, all the way from across the world, uh, from Australia and from Europe and from America and from all the Australian From that places. other hemisphere. From that other hemisphere we don't like to talk about. Uh, all, all the uh, all the smart after the better um, comedy blimp crew, I'm sure, are, are, are rooting for you and your family. So thank you very much thank for you. chatting today. Thanks, Greg. Yeah, thank you. It's a pleasure. I just want to say thank you to all the people I chatted to, especially Tara, who's been through a terrible, terrible tragedy and just reinforces the fact that vaccinations are important. Wearing a mask is important. Washing your hands is important. It's not over, people, no matter where you are in the world. We have to learn to live with this strange new reality we find ourselves in. There's 7.5 billion people on this planet. We've lost 5 million of them to this disease. That's 5 million extra people who have died. We really just need to look out for each other and to and see the humanity inherent in all of us. Just help each other. Just find someone to help. Go now and give someone you care about a hug, even if that person is a cat or a dog. (laughs) I need a hug, people. I really need a hug after all that. So we'll see you next time. Be excellent to each other. I was checking some notes and went, oh, how big is Texas? Because Texas is considered, it's bigger than Texas, etc. And then I looked it up and went, wait, it's really small. It's it's about the same size as Queensland um, and uh, West Mm -hmm. West Australia. I mean, there's... Just those, uh, there's nothing to do with what we're talking about right now. But Western Australia is the second largest country subdivision, except for Russia's Saka Republic. There you go. Did not know yep. this. And I actually, I believe it or not, I actually looked that up reasonably recently, and it shocked me too. Because I, I thought Texas was about the same size as WA. 
not no, even close. Not even close. You're, you're close to Queensland side, so on the other side of the country. And, and Queensland's pretty big, so don't, don't feel too bad. But you're not even the biggest American state. You're, you're second no, to Alaska. Alaska oh, get it together, Texas. Anyway, <laughs> just, just take over something else. Take over, take over Arkansas or something. Just, just invade and then just give it bigger. Fine. <laughs> Be fine. I shouldn't say that. I really shouldn't say that. Anyway, no, no. It'll, it'll give someone ideas. <laughs> Far out. You'd think I'd know about that and by now. Look, I did. Look, I did. I did the same thing in a, on a work, very important work uh, call with people from around the country, and I'm standing there going, and "They're like, you're muted." Oh God. God. Like please, yeah. After all this time, please give me a lot of money for to do a massive project. I am not an idiot, and they're like. <laughs> I'm not too sure. You, you come across a bit slow. So, yeah, anyway. Right. <laughs> yeah, your, your grasp on technology seems to be a little bit feeble. That's, yeah, that's, <laughs> well, yes, yes. And you want to build the world's largest radio telescope? Mm, well, mm, uh, yeah. Uh, mm. What happens <laughs> if you mute the aliens? Mm, that's mm. right. <laughs> we come in peace. They're being very silent. We should leave now and not give them the secret to cancer. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they're not responding. They're not responding. They're just making facial gestures and waving their hands around. We, right. do, we do not appreciate this. Oh, and how am I sounding, by the way? Am I a bit loud or am I, am I No, okay? you're perfect. I am perfect. Thank you. Yes. No, um, you have your, you have your uh, podcasty radio voice on. So. Oh, I do. Or do I? Yes. It's my normal voice. Thank you very much. I always talk. Hello. Uh, I always constantly. I don't, actually, I think my my podcast radio voice is um, much more hooty and screechy. <laughs> I get very when I'm doing the podcast. I'm like, oh my god, it's so exciting! Yes, yes. science, science. <laughs> okay. Oh, poor Dan. Got to feel for him when he does the editing for the um, SA2K. Oh God. Oof. <laughs> no, I don't. Ugh. He deserves it. He deserves everything. He deserves everything. He gets that man. That's what I. He does. Say. Yeah. This yeah, is preamble. Oh, this, this is just, this, this, is just oh, cool. this is just uh, warming you up and seeing how yeah. everything's going and, and and trying to read all your your books on your bookshelf, trying to see. What's oh going right. <laughs> just don't go on the sea, people. No, it's ever. not ours. No, it's no, it's not right. ours. <laughs> The land is ours. Yes, we took the land, and uh, billions <laughs> of years ago, our ancestors invaded the land, and then and the and the sea creatures said, "Don't come back." And we were like, "We don't <laughs> want to come back. We're going to have legs and and no and no gills." And they're like, "Whatever, man. We don't." We care. chose to leave the sea. Yeah, we like, did. We, yeah. <laughs> there's no reason why we should go back. In it. And then and then like when the whales went back, the the, the sea creatures are like, "Okay, whales, we'll accept you." But no one else. That's it. We're done. We're done. Okay, hippos, you can come back and become whales. Everyone else, you stay on land. All right. All right. All right. All right. And that's that's how it worked. I don't get aquatic mammals. I'm just like, well, make a choice, people. I mean, well, not people, but that's right. well, that's... yeah, aquatic, aquatic mammals. What's up with aquatic mammals? This is going to sound very creepy, and so forgive me if how creepy this is going to sound. Greg, I've been I, listening to you for years. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> more for you. Trish. Maybe it'll be a bite. Maybe you have to bite them, and that passes on pregnancy. Yes. One day we're going to work out how, how this happened, and then we're going to stop it. Yeah. Be... <laughs> I, think, I think I missed the point. Hang on. I think I missed the point here. <laughs> 
I've seen Hamilton in New York. I just sort of rubbed that in there. Oh. Back, back in the before, before times. You went to New York? I, went to New- I, I traveled on an aeroplane. Oh, anyway. wow. An aeroplane. An aeroplane. <laughs> Hang on, so so you can't go into the Vatican nor South Dakota with it with a sleeveless tank top? No. Not, not this god daring place. This, it was god daring. Gosh, you're showing some womanly womanly shoulder. How dare you? Right. You I know. strumpet. God. <laughs> really, that's a great word. Is there too much background noise where I'm at? Um, I can turn it off in a second. No, 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 it should be fine. I, I can't hear anything. I, I, I just heard Gabby, but that, that's all I heard, so. I don't call my wife background noise. No, no, I know that. I wasn't either. I honest, but <laughs> you got to believe me. Did, did you visit Chicago on your uh, U.S. visit? Never lived there, but I played a vampire that lived there. Though I did get, I got told by my one nurse. I thought it was quite interesting. She went, "Oh, you, you seem to be able to suppress your gag reflex." And I was like, oh, "That's a skill, I guess." Like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Does that make me more employable? I'm just wondering. Is there? <laughs> Is there any jobs I could do? I mean, I could think of a few jobs. Steady, steady. Steady. Hold the ship. <laughs> We're spending an extra $1,000 or $2,000 to, well, it's Australian, it's Australian pesos, I'd like to point out. So, you know, not, not, real, <laughs> not real money, but, um, <laughs> but so that's like four bucks, 50 American. I think that's the conversion, but I'm not too sure. I'm very excited. Oh, hang on. I just t- I'm too excited. I just touched my microphone. Just, <laughs> Bam. My hair's not working. What's going on? You uh, look like a mad owl. There are worse things to look like, I guess. Uh. <laughs> it does that have to be a mad owl? Could it just be like a perplexed owl, maybe? Or... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Perplexed owl works. Excellent. Fantastic. Well, that's fine then. <laughs>